0: We live there.
1: Yeah, yeah. You become one with the fucking theater. the The scariest part is, is that when you're at like at like movie nine or ten, and then you think all the way back to movie one, and it feels like a million years ago. Yeah, That's yeah. That yeah. You've never left yeah. the theater. Yeah.
2: And what's crazy is when you've been to as many of these as we have for some reason, once you get locked in, it's like, it's not like you're on hour 10, you're on hour 110, Yeah. because every single 24 has been yes. That's s- yes. subsumed into the day.
1: Yeah, to the point where you kind of think your normal life is like a lie. Like, what's that? You
0: forget it doesn't feel real. Right. It's right. like,
1: all I do is sit
0: in this chair and watch movies.
1: It's like one of those anchors in time where it's like, oh, yeah, this. Uh, uh, i just, I, this is all I do. and Everything else is just, a, it's like total recall or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work is like that for me, too. Like, when I clock in, I was like, I never left. That was I all have, a dream. This
0: is the only thing I've ever done. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right, you guys want to start? Hell, yeah. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this.
2: Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And today we're doing something a little different. Usually every episode is about some niche film or subgenre or sub sub genre where we talk about like the people involved, the legacy of the film and our our personal histories with it and why we love it. But today we're taking a break from our usual bread and butter routine to bring you a very special, very sleep deprived report from what can best be described as the greatest fucking event of the year. The greatest day of the year. It's my yeah. Christmas. Exhumed Films 24 Hour Horrorthon.
0: And I think the reason why we want to do this is because Exhumed Films has been such an important force in all our lives. We've definitely talked about them on past episodes. And so, because the horrorthon was obviously paused last year and I think for most of us it's this is what year 15 that they're doing it. Yeah. So 2 years ago they called it the last harathon because the venue it was in was closing and we'll talk about that more later but to have that sort of final farewell harathon and then have it miss a year because of quarantine having it come back I think it feels like we needed to do a love letter to it and to just this idea of film curation in this really particular special way that I think has shaped our community so much
2: yeah absolutely yeah this is a hundred percent our love letter our ode to exhumed films and to the people who don't just keep us sane but keep our scene alive and I guess before we talk about the big hits and surprises from this year's 24-hour marathon which we' literally just got back from a few hours ago
0: yeah we're tired and cranky yeah
2: if so if we sound like a bunch of deranged veterinarians who got uh lost in the sauce a little bit that's
0: because we are we are we are
2: crazed veterinarians right now and i guess before we get into you know the shit i kind of want to take a step back and Give a little history of Exhum Films and sort of introduce some of our listeners who aren't really from the Philadelphia region or the East Coast to who they are and, and what they're all about.
0: So they got started, I think, in 1997 and they were at this really tiny, beautiful theater called the Harwin that eventually got demolished, I think, a couple of years after they started up and they started doing... Just these like double or triple feature nights where they would rent or I think start to buy some 35 millimeter prints and would show them to these audiences full of weirdos, many of whom have become some of my like longtime friends. But Exhumed Films are four dudes. It's Harry Garrow, who will probably spend the most time talking about him throughout the episode because he's the one who actually has the collection of prints
2: and yeah he's got so many connections in like the film world the film print world
0: yeah like he and quentin tarantino trade prints yeah so- i
2: remember there was like one year during an x-fest where they do an exploitation marathon where like they made a joke or someone might have made a joke in like passing maybe not to like the crowd but just like I overheard a conversation saying that there's like this thing in like the film print scene world where it's like who can get Tarantino to fucking let them borrow one of his like secret prize possessions and I think the one they got for him that year was one called Redneck Miller just yes. like some crazy exploitation movie and like and that's just a whole nother world that I'm not part of and that's like something that I, I almost don't want to know how the sausage is made you yeah. know like I, I, yeah. I don't want to know what prints are circulating around like sometimes when I'm chatting with Harry or you're chatting with Harry and I'm just kind of hovering around and I hear you guys kind of start talking about like what he's finding
1: I take a little walk,
2: you know? Like, I don't want to... You don't want to know how Santa Claus
1: gets (laughs) the elves. Right, right. You (laughs) don't want to see what's coming underneath the Christmas tree. You want it to be a total surprise.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I do think something I'm sure we'll talk about more throughout this episode is I feel like there are two types of cult movie fans to a degree. One are people who don't really think too much about the format, they just want to see the movies, which is totally fine. Yeah, gosh. And then I think there are people like us and like a lot of the people who grew up with exhumed films who recognized early on that 35mm is often the best way or maybe the most interesting way to see a lot of these films, especially these old archival prints. Like Harry has some old prints that are turning red and starting to disintegrate and like maybe it's not going to look the way it will look if you watch the restored blu-ray but it's an experience it's like you're getting to see this print that nobody might ever be able to watch again
2: yeah yeah uh who 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 else because i I don't really know them personally i know you've been going much longer than we have john you've been going longer than i have but you sam have been going for so long and i know you have some Minor personal connections with some of these guys. Uh, who else is in the Exhumed crew other than Harry? So
0: there's Dan Fraga, who is a, just a teacher, regular guy.
2: He's kind of like the face of Exhumed. He's the one that yeah, comes he out.
0: and Joseph Gervaisi are the ones who would always come and do the introductions, And Dan, being a school teacher, is known for talking way longer than anyone needs to, but for giving this <laughs> list of really helpful specific rules like no talking, this isn't Mystery Science 3000, we don't want to hear your commentary, be a fucking human and pick up your trash, th- yeah. things like that. My, my
2: favorite of the rules that they give every year is like, if you go and you see a trash can and the trash can is full, don't do not put, not your, put trash your trash on, on top. top. What are <laughs> like, and, and honestly, like... Don't be a savage. Sometimes when we're, you know, just watching movies and like our 18 comes along, we lose our entire grip on reality and just how to function as a person. Definitely
0: some of the people who go to these events don't have a grip on reality (laughs) to begin with.
2: Yeah. God bless them. Yeah. Yes.
0: (laughs) So I think it's helpful to have somebody like Dan who he's he's almost like the camp counselor. He just he wants everybody to have Mm. fun, but also like behave yourselves. And Joseph Gravasi is somebody who's done a lot with, like, when I first met all of them, he had this amazing VHS bootleg catalog, which is where I found out about so many of these movies.
2: Yeah, I, I know, John, when we first started going... um there were times where we would go to like some random double feature, and like I like how there some of the early double features they did. Truly random. Truly random. Yeah. You know they yeah. weren't they weren't curating. They weren't like they didn't really have the minds of like okay the, we need to put this with this. It was just like yo we have a fucking print of this Godzilla movie and we also have this Lucio Fulci movie. Yeah. So it's like fucking re- strapping. My know?
1: my favorite crazy triple feature was Dracula versus Frankenstein. Godzilla versus Monster Zero, and Grave of the Vampire. Yeah. Like, totally random. Ra- and actually, yeah. I prefer it like that. I like yeah. that. Like, fruit salad of randomness. What
2: I was going to say was that some of the times that we went early on to those Wacko marathon, or those Wacko double-triple features, you seemed almost more excited to get to that table that had the DVDs. Yeah their, yeah. their diabolic DVD company, and just, like, the most random shit. Sometimes you would, like, pick up a movie that like I've never heard of and I would never even pick up in a million years or even like look at twice and you're like they have it yeah. you know like you just found this gold, this holy grail gold. and yeah. like and honestly chances are it wasn't the right holy grail and when you drink it your fucking face melts off
1: which is what a lot of it's <laughs> part of is. the fun though yeah he chose poorly
0: But, oh, also speaking of uh, Diabolic, we can't forget to mention the fourth member who is uh, Jesse Nelson. And Jesse and Joseph, pretty early on in the years of the horror-thons, not just like the Exhumed screenings in general, they started a company called Diabolic DVD, which anytime you buy a cult movie, you should be buying it from them. Their company is amazing. I, I think they sort of took the idea of Joseph's bootleg catalog and thought okay how can we get these movies in their you know most official release forms to people and diabolic is great jesse has since gone on to start his own distribution company called cauldron films I have to plug this because I was involved in it, but they did a great release of this Sergio Martino oddity called American Rickshaw. Oh I did the commentary. Yeah, yeah. It's batshit insane. It's,
2: yeah, you set me up with that one earlier this year. It was really, really good. So that's the four guys. And and this year it seemed a little different. The the crew was a little more uh condensed. Condensed <laughs> down. It was just Harry and Dan running around like madmen keeping the fucking <laughs> keeping it all going. And I gotta say, you said earlier, John, that that this is Christmas, and you're right. This is a holy day for us, this 24, and it is Christmas. It's, It's the Super Bowl. It is whatever it is that is the most... (laughs) <laughs> sacrosanct day you can possibly imagine. That's what this is. Everything's
1: and magic. Like like w- Even just getting the hint sheet, even before anything plays, just looking at that hint sheet... They Yeah, they give you that list of hints. And you're just and like, what could this be? I where are we going so to go? And I know every year like we talk about what they
2: haven't played in the past, what they can possibly play, and the moment that hint sheet comes up, and they give you this little ballot where you can write in what your you think guesses. the movie is, your guess, and the moment that that ballot comes into our hands, I just see like, a brain wipe go down. Yeah, and and everybody
0: forgets the name of every movie they've ever seen.
2: You don't know what your fucking first name is. You don't know what street you're born on. Like, thank God there's no security questions you
1: need to answer in order to fill out this sheet because
2: we would be lost i had
1: to stop doing i stopped doing it several years ago because i just get anxious i don't know why but i'm just like this could be this or that and i'm just like fuck it i'm here to enjoy movies yeah i'm just i'm just gonna look at the hint sheet i'm gonna get excited and that's it i'm sitting down watching movies
0: oh yeah i don't think we said but the double triple all-nighter screenings they've done in the past they always tell you what the movies are but for Harathon they've never told you and so part of the excitement is you're strapping in for 14 or 15 movies and you have no idea what you're going to see the only sort of exception to that rule is if you've gone to a bunch of them and we'll talk about this when we go through the actual lineup you you can get a sense of what kinds of movies harry is going to show and they're also very careful not to repeat screenings So, you know, 10 horror thons in, you know exactly what they're not going to show, but it's still like that there's still thousands of movies to pick from.
1: My favorite is like, you know what subgenre it's going to be because of the hint. So everybody's kind of like wondering what it is. And, like, not even when the title comes out, but, like, when, like, the production company name or, like, the distributor... Uh, distribution oh, yeah. Company. Yeah. And uh, you already have, like, eight people in the audience going, yeah! yeah. Like, they nice, know exactly. Like, oh, I know what this is yeah, going to be. it starts buzzing. And
2: I, I think <laughs> because of Exum Films and the whole idea of curating marathons or even, like, jubble, triple features, it has really become one of the most important concepts to me in the world. It's this thing that makes me most excited and like keeps me going and in a way it's kind of fucked me up a little like I don't know about you guys but sometimes it's a little hard for me to just casually put on a movie like last week John in the Tingler episode you said something that kind of stuck with me Uh, you said that movies used to be a destination an event and now they're just content and I think you kind of perfectly put into words how I look at the act of watching movies to me, they're never just noise. Like, our podcast, like, that's noise. That's noise in the background for a while. You're folding your laundry, cooking dinner, driving home from work. But movies, they're they're fucking sacred. And because I was lucky enough to grow up with Exhumed Films just tailoring the greatest film lineups imaginable, like, now I can't fucking just pop a movie on at will. There has got to be, like, some kind of trick I play on myself. It has to be a marathon. Or the titles of the movies have to be kept secret from someone else who... I'm showing it to, and and I love how when you come over with a basket of movies to play for us, John. It's it's always it's a mystery. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, even when I watch a movie by myself at home, like I prepare myself. It's like almost like ceremonious where I'm like, put stuff it's away. Church. I got my cat in the room. You know, all distractions are gone. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this today. Yeah, it's and that's it's it's,
2: it. it's day of the Triffids day. Right. You know. Right. Like I remember a couple of years ago. Like, I was just feeling spunky, and I I, I put a suit on in the morning, like a shirt and tie and put a suit on. And everyone in, in my house, all my roommates, I have, like, a thousand roommates, and they all kept asking me, like, why are you wearing a why are you wearing a tie, dude? What's wrong? <laughs> you okay? Someone die? And I'm like, oh, no, it's it's Gamera's birthday. I'm watching Gamera movies. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, really? It's Gamera's birthday? I'm like, yeah, come on. We're, I want to watch a movie. And I got a couple of roommates, and you came over, Sam, and we watched movies. And at the end of the night, I, like, confessed to you. I'm like, Sam... Uh, Gamera doesn't have a birthday
0: but the way that you said it was so serious it was like you felt so guilty you were like I lied to you about something and I need to tell you and I was like (laughs) oh my god what it's like it's not actually Gamera's birthday
1: (laughs) but I see what you mean it's not like you just pressed play and then continued doing what you're doing like you have like your water bottle You know, your popcorn or your chips or whatever, you're sitting down. Your
0: injection of B vitamins, (laughs) (laughs) which is what I wish we had right now.
1: (laughs) You just press play and that's it. And it's like, okay, it's time. And yeah, I, I know so many people who just casually watch things
2: yeah and and
1: and to be honest like i'm not knocking that like there are times where i fucking
2: wish i could just like come home from work if i had a job i don't but like (laughs) i could theoretically come home from work and just like put a movie on and like watch it and like zone out a little bit but i i don't have that luxury yeah so
0: i feel a little bad because i do get a lot of instagram engagement from people who are like oh have you seen this if you don't, you should just, like, put it on tonight. And I'm like, you don't understand. I am too Asperger's-y to just, like, throw on a movie <laughs> yeah. 90% of the time. <laughs> I have to mentally prepare myself and decide, like, here's the theme for today.
2: Yeah. And and so, so some
0: of it is, like...
2: <laughs> and that's fucking Zoom's fault. It, well, like, I think, I mean,
0: it, it is and it isn't. I mean, I think some of it for me is because I work so much. A lot of what I watch is like geared towards a book I'm writing or a freelance project I'm working on. But I think also what makes Exhumed feel so, so much like home and so special, but also comfortable at the same time is that's how my brain works. I want things to be organized And kind of collected in a way that has this sort of sense of specialness about it. And they didn't, as we said, they didn't do that at the beginning, but they did pretty early on. I mean, by the time I was, I think I, so I started going to their events when I was 15. By the time I was 17, they were doing these Italian horror Lucio Fulci all nighters. So even though it was, you know, five movies starting at 8 PM or something, it still had the sort of hint of what you get yeah. from hearth and XFast.
1: X fast. Yeah. My, my first one was a full Chi triple feature. It was right after my 15th birthday. I had to convince my mom to, to, to take me, I
2: honestly I can't remember my first one. I know I th- I'm, I'm I'm certain that you dragged me, John, and yeah. like it was something where I was like, okay, I'll go with you. And then like
1: when I started taking you, I think they were at the Pittman Theater, yeah, the, yeah. which was a gorgeous old it's theater, so
2: beautiful. Yeah, honestly, like I I wasn't really forming memories back then. Like I I, I remember you're not forming memories now <laughs> either. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're right. doing All quite right. the opposite. <laughs> okay, everybody, to be honest,
1: face. Yes, his face, awful. Oh. The eyes. Nose, skin, it's coming off. The face. No more drugs for that man.
2: So I think on that note I'd like to dive into this current year's lineup we did 15 movies over the course of 25 hours
0: oh yeah because it's daylight savings time they punished us by making us sit for an extra hour
2: yeah we gotta uh, punish yes or
0: celebrated <laughs> us i should say
2: it's a good pain it is so movie one was an undisputed horror classic that somehow exhumed films has never previously shown and this is one that I've guessed in previous years. And even earlier this year, I said, I forget to one of you guys. I said that I got a feeling that we're going to get a heavy hitter. I think we're going to get the exorcist or the shining this year. We're going to get hit with some like serious balls out horror movie, like a scary horror movie. And then when the hint sheet came up, I'm, my eyes glazed over and I, I think I wrote in like the you blob. You forgot your name. Yeah. yeah. we
0: Well, so that was my fault. I suggested the blob because the colonial theater, which is where it was tonight in Phoenixville, which is like an hour away from Philadelphia is the theater where parts of the original blob film were shot. And so in my head, it was like a classic car heavy hitter. And they do at least one, fan favorite mainstream horror movie every Horathon. Yeah. And I sort of thought like, okay, we're in the blob theater. It's gotta be the blob. Yeah. In
2: the earlier days they threw a lot more at you and now they just kinda sprinkle them in. Yeah. You know, they're they're more of like special treats, but you're really there to go psychonautically digging. Which is what we want. So this year, yeah, it was The Exorcist, which was just a perfect opening film. Truly. It's one that has always terrified me growing up. I know we we mentioned it in the past that it's just it's it's a it's a terrifying and grueling film and we watched it earlier this year sam at the the mahoning no, drive last year we last watched year. Oh, it okay. last
0: year right before halloween I think. I think
2: so yeah it was the exorcist and poltergeist, poltergeist on a triple or a double bill and i remember it was the first time that i'd ever seen the exorcist and didn't get scared and i remember thinking like oh shit did i grow out of the exorcist and i realized watching it in theaters this time when like i felt the chill start about like a like a third of the way and maybe a halfway through, I I started getting chills, and I realized that it's the fucking it's the sound design in that film that's hair raising. That's just like it it just fucks you up. And I you don't really get that at the drive-in when you're listening on your car stereo and it's going over the radio. Right. So there was that element missing. Love the drive-in, but well, the I exorcist- think also
0: if something has. Very specific lighting and sound requirements, you just need to do it in a dark. Yeah, you
2: need a beautiful print, which this one was the version you've never seen before, which is kind of the version that we've all fucking seen a million times. The
1: very first time I saw it, I was 14. It was played in theaters that, like, the October of my freshman year in high school, and I was like, I've never seen The Exorcist. Yeah, my sister took me. Yeah, I was so excited. I loved it.
2: Yeah, and this, I, I know early on in the movie, everyone in the audience was still kind of like laughing and a little jittery. You could hear some like spots of conversation here or there. Like no one had kind of like fully settled into the fact that we weren't sitting in our own homes that we were now strapped in. Like it takes a little bit for it to really sink in. And about halfway through when father Karras first shows up to see Reagan, everyone shut the fuck up. Like that nervous laughter died down and you could sense that there was a shift.
0: I think it even started to die down in the scenes where she has to go in for medical testing and she's just in agonizing pain, which are so powerful. And I think that might be why the exorcist works on a serious level where so many other like, you know, satanic horror or possession horror movies fail is because it spends a lot of time building the human relationships and like these people aren't religious they have this really sweet connection, but it's presented in such a straightforward way. It's not like overly saccharine. It's, you know, Chris works. She loves her daughter. She gives her a really privileged upbringing. And then out of nowhere, things go wrong.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's horrifying. It It, it really, really gets to me every time I watch it. And it
1: has this dark, ominous tone from the get-go. Like the beginning scenes in Iraq is already. Yeah, like, you have this feeling of like ancient evil just like beneath the surface. It's just humming. It's yeah. just
2: buzzing there. Yeah.
1: And what's really funny is, uh not sure how true this is, but you know how you always hear the stories of people running out of the theater during The Exorcist. My mom was one of them. My dad always told me. When they first started dating, he was, like, really psyched to see this new movie, The Exorcist. And he's like, yeah, I got, like, 30 minutes into it. And, of course, we had to fucking leave because of your mother. But but, uh, those hospital scenes are actually the scenes... Where people walked out that do not like the head spinning and stuff yeah, like that, but the the arteriogram when the blood spurts and, and a lot brutal. of the, the
2: nervous laughter when I could tell that like people were getting scared early on was when some of the doctors were saying things about psychiatry like oh no I don't think we should do this oh no it's just nerves and I can tell like oh we'll give and then when they were suggesting giving Reagan Ritalin and like you can hear nervous laughter because that's just a thing that so many people went through oh, like yeah. so many people have had to go to the hospital or to see doctors for like mental health reasons
1: and this movie or visited somebody yeah, who had like surgery and was...
2: this movie just kind of preys on that a little bit and on how
0: i think dismissive medical science can be around yeah. some of these mental health issues
2: All right, Johnny, it sounds like your pizza rolls are here. Mm.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Yum, yum.
0: It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack.
1: But to go back to what you were going on about the sound design, this is one of the reasons I love him. I know it makes him sound like an OCD, like nutcase, which he was. He was. He still is. When it premiered, like in different cities. He would tell projectionists, this is the volume this movie plays. This is how, you know, every detail. And he would drive from theater to theater and just burst. Which
0: is so crazy.
1: He and burst into movie theaters and see if they w- did not have the settings correctly, that was it. They they couldn't play The Exorcist anymore. Yeah,
2: it's it's like, who was the band with the red M&Ms or something? Oh, like, I uh, know. Guns and Roses or something? I, f-
1: I forget who. It's not Guns N' Roses, but... And, like, the reason they did that was if you couldn't get 800 green M&M's correctly, you couldn't get the weight specifics of their stage correctly, and therefore something bad was going to happen. Yeah. Try M&M's chocolate candies with peanuts or plain. Remember, M&M's milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your mouth. So I
2: think that The Exorcist was just the fucking, the perfect opener to set the tone for the day here, because... It it said like, Hey, I think we all just got done having a rough couple years. There's a lot of death and, and you know, and we're all here to have a good time. But But these movies can also be
0: actually scary and they're not just something horror. to laugh at. This is yeah. the
2: fucking horathon and you're gonna get scared. And I think that throughout the day the exorcist was such a tone setter that some of the later movies like number six which we'll get to and number nine really were scarier than they would have been otherwise because of like it set the tone yes the daily legacy of the exorcist was
1: burned in our head and just to see a classic horror movie in a classic the- i mean like the colonial that main room the balcony it's so beautiful oh
0: yeah and for context The venue that it was previously in, so they've gone through since they started, they've gone through a couple of venues. It's difficult for them to find a theater who can accommodate their size needs, and, you know, Harry wanting to show very specific prints and wanting control over that process. And mostly, Harathon was at this place called the International House, which closed down, and I think is sadly going to be. Mm -hmm. bulldozed and turned into luxury apartments or some bullshit And,
2: and that's the that's the fate of just about every single movie theater in the country right now
0: but to be fair the international house was not actually a movie theater it was you can find international houses around the country they're basically buildings that are meant to house foreign students and this one had a grant from the university of pennsylvania and so it's like This massive building that sort of looks like a high rise apartment building that has all of these different cultural spaces within it. And because of all of that, there is or there was a big theater space in there where they could do live music and lectures. And so it wasn't really a full size movie theater and it had the world's most uncomfortable seats, which I, I kept thinking yesterday or today or what, you know, time no longer exists, how grateful I was to be able to sit in actual movie theater yeah. seats. I
2: But honestly, I feel like if you're listening to this episode uh, and you didn't get to go to this event, I think you should what you should do is sit down. A folding chair. A folding chair. chair. And put some like fucking, a lot of shit in your back pockets and just, uh, that'll give you a little sense of things. And
0: sort of waft the scent of wah-wah hoagies and sweaty Uh, horror movie nerds who forgot to wear their deodorant. I
1: always loved the House. Yeah, Yeah, me too. It, It was the place they were at the longest and like saw so much there. It
0: felt so sad when they had to close years ago. I teared up ago. walking out yeah, for the last too. time,
1: knowing that that was the last time I was going to be in there. Stick your cock
0: up her ass, you
1: motherfucking
0: worthless cocksucker. Be silent! Oh! Oh! oh.
2: All right, waxing poetic, dear friends. We got a uh, we got a lot of fucking movies to get through <laughs> right, here. Fine. So movie number two was the hint was incredibly influential Euro horror melodrama. We all kind of submitted our own ballot that we all kind of worked on, and the one that what was our guess for this? So it was really
0: fucking me up that he put melodrama on there, and I I thought maybe he was trying to take it in some sort of, like, blood and black lace direction?
2: Oh, yeah, that was our guess, yeah. But Eyes Without a Face was the movie from 1960, which I have been putting off forever. I've seen Mansion of the Doomed, obviously, when Exum played it, and... I- I felt like I had seen this movie before because i just seen bits and pieces on Turner Classic growing up. Right.
0: And so many other later movies ripped it off.
2: Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure like Treehouse of Horrors probably did a segment that was like it. And it's just like, it's one of those movies that's so influential that even though I hadn't seen it until yesterday, I felt like I had in a way because it was just like, so many images from it were burned in my mind that watching it, it felt like a rewatch even though it was my first time. And wow, what a... It's, what a great movie, yeah. just beautiful and haunting and just great black and white. this
0: It's one of my favorite movies, and Franju is definitely such an incredible director, but it's not the sort of movie that they would typically screen. I mean, they do tend to focus more on probably 1965 to, let's say, 1995. Yeah. It's, it's usually like later 60s, 70s, and 80s, and so... This sort of felt like a treat year where we're were getting more kind of classic horror. And to me, I think I've talked about this on a past episode, but 1960 is such an important pivotal year because you've got, you know, uh, Baba's Black Sunday and Psycho and all these movies that really changed how horror movies were made and how mainstream audiences thought about them. And one movie that I think has to be included in that list is Eyes Without a Face because it almost feels like this poetic kind of symbolist fairy tale that is so tragic and it's it's not like anything that came before it.
2: Yeah, and it was another movie where, like The Exorcist, where doctors were portrayed in this kind of sinister way, which I think is so great that Harry did and also so awful. Uh, And Harry, I don't mean just Harry, I should start saying Exhumed did because this is a collective. I'm sorry, I I keep referring to Exhumed as Harry and I'm going to nip that in the bud right here because it's really a a collective thing here. Uh, But it's one thing that Exhumed did so well this year is... I, I mean, I feel like we've all kind of been through it in the last couple of years, like whether or not we have gotten covid we know people who have who have gone through doctors so many people are just kind of like scared of doctors now because we're scared of death and it's kind of in the air and this year felt like it was deliberately preying on some of those fears that like you don't have to be a fucking anti-vaxxer or anti-mask or whatever the fuck what i'm saying is that like this has been a scary couple fucking years and this year at exhume films it seemed like they knew that and they were preying on some of these
0: yeah, I, I would definitely say there are, there were more movies this year that put an emphasis on being atmospheric and scary and less on, like, we're going to have fun and we had a, yeah, yeah, we did have a little we fun. Did, there were no fun doubt. movies they, for yeah, sure. They
2: gave us some
1: comedowns for sure.
0: But I think there were more serious movies oh, absolutely. than there usually
1: are. More vintage movies. Yeah, definitely. Sure. I mean, there's always some, but a lot more this year it felt like. Yeah.
2: Our first come-down movie after Eyes Without a Face, the clue was... I was so happy
1: about this. Oh, yeah.
2: The clue is, giant monster movie we screened once a number of years ago, but it was for a small crowd and under a different title. So it's kind of like we never showed it at all. And... So since we've been to so many of these, and usually they always have a Godzilla slot is what it is. It's, it's yeah, a giant almost
0: monster. always a Godzilla movie. But yeah, or Godzilla or adjacent.
2: Yeah, it's a kaiju movie. It's some kind of fun Japanese flick usually. Right. And this year it was Terror of Mechagodzilla, which is the sequel to one of the greatest Godzilla yeah. flicks, uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people agree that that one is the best
2: oh yeah it's it's up there for sure in the pantheon of the godzilla films
0: but this one is great despite being i think this is the last heisei era
1: uh, or
0: sorry the last showa era it's so good though uh, shora
1: honda came back to do it and it it feels much more like his style yeah
2: it's goofball
1: yeah yeah what like aliens taking over the planets and wild costumes but you were just saying and it brought me back evil doctors and scientists working on a on a girl the cyborg lady 1st they didn't even pick up on that
0: well and this i think at least a lot of our you know mutual friends i feel like there's this running joke both with harathon and x-fest where you try to figure out what harry's unintentional theme is because a lot of the time there's a connection that I don't think he intends at all, from movie to movie, and so this is sort of the thread at the beginning of this particular marathon is young women and awful doctors. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You know what was really funny? I had seen this at the Alamo just before Godzilla vs. Kong, and they played the Japanese version with subtitles, and it was, like, uncut, so it had the boobs, like, when the... There's boopies in this? Yeah, when the girl's getting turned into a cyborg, you see her topless, <sighs> and the gunplay is a lot more violent. Like, you actually see the people get blasted. It doesn't cut away. Ooh. Like, the, the one dude, like, he gets shot, like, by eight dudes, execution style, but they cut it. So...
0: Yeah, we have to watch the Japanese version.
1: So for Exhumed Films, where you have like a million people dressed in black and metal and horror movie t-shirts, we got the friendly cut like kids version. When I saw at the Alamo, surrounded by children, we had the subtitled booby <laughs> gun, <laughs> body kids gunfire. Kids can't fucking read. <laughs> <It's> ain't reading. <laughs> and it was so, first of all, I was really excited because I was in a room full of like 10 kids who are seeing their first pair of tits I was like fuck yeah I'm like I'm at this event <laughs> and for and maybe these kids. some
0: of them were seeing their first Godzilla movie yes, that which too. is a perfect pairing I, I remember
1: we were excited to watch it and then I realized because I saw the Janus film so I was like oh this is the, the one Criterion put yeah. out so it's going to be subtitled and all these kids were like what? <laughs> like, I just want to watch Monster Smash things. That's
2: awesome and so this was one that uh, I have seen not that many times because the first time I saw it when I was a kid I was like ah that one's not the best and there's so many of these movies that i just never really revisited it that much it and was great yeah i mean about halfway through i kept thinking to myself like oh yeah this one's not the best and then in like the final 30 minutes they just they just abandoned the plot and you are Go now H watching it. you're watching monsters fight for the next 30 fucking minutes and they're just gonna and, as god intended oh my god god Godzilla Godzilla so cool. godzilla's the fucking king He's just the yeah, fucking Yeah, we love Godzilla. We, we do, we do. I can't wait. I don't wait. know if
0: we've talked about this on an episode, but I feel like for all three of us, Godzilla is ultimate comfort food. Like yeah. every time he comes on screen, no matter what size the screen is or whether it's dubbed or in
1: Japanese... I, we're just so happy oh, to yeah. see him we're so happy to see our fucking we guy. It, it's so funny because godzilla's like an actor to me where like yes. i know there he's been rebooted a, a million times there
0: are different versions
1: yeah different costume even the original series has like 10 different guys but he's always like the same guy to me yeah. he's always godzilla yeah. except for him. the obvious 1998 that's a, yeah let's all right, talk all right, about. All right. we're having a good time here, <laughs> yeah don't, don't ruin it, it. sorry, sorry. Okay,
2: and so after Godzilla, uh, we got movie number four, which was an underseen psychosexual thriller recently remade by a divisive horror filmmaker. And I think this was the one that most people in the audience correctly guessed. We correctly guessed this one on our, our ballot. I've never even heard
1: of it before it yeah. played. Yeah. People
2: were just kind of buzzing about it around us. so was like, oh, okay, that's what it is.
1: Oh no! I
0: I knew what it was. Yeah,
2: you knew when you read. I, so I had never seen it, but I knew that it existed, and the movie was Death Game, which is this amazing home invasion film from the seventies wh- wh- that was remade by the the fantastic voice of our generation, Eli. Oh my Roth.
0: God! Don't you dare!
2: Uh, in the film Knock Knock, starring uh. Keanu Kinu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never seen Knock Knock I, and I don't want to Knock Knock the oh movie cuz I've never stop. Okay, okay, okay.
1: But remember when we saw Green Inferno? I
2: I do. I do.
1: Like Eli <laughs> Why? Roth. So Eli Roth's like curiosity. kind of
2: like broey fucking
0: Eli Roth is trash. Oh my god.
2: We're not fans of him here, but like whatever do your do your thing dude get your bag remake whatever fucking movie that you saw
0: okay but he doesn't have to be so fucking gross is he oh okay if you don't know about eli roth being a sexist piece of shit on his film sets there are plenty of stories you could look up but some wonderful person archived this but look up cum tissues Okay. And look up Eli Roth cum tissues, and that's all I'm going to say. Wow. My
1: FBI guy's already, like, disgusted with me. I don't think I need to. He's got you on mute right (laughs) now, John. (laughs) It's just, uh, like, I didn't know anything about him, like, being, like, a shithead. It's just no, like, his, like, American pie trying to be 70s horror style is the most horrible, boring shit on earth.
2: Yeah.
0: But can we talk about what Death really game. matters? Sorry,
1: yeah. 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 sorry, Death game. sorry,
0: sorry. No, I, you didn't get us on this tirade. Charles
2: did. I was baiting <laughs> you a little bit. I'm sorry, guys. So I didn't realize that I absolutely love home invasion movies until today.
0: Don't, oh, I was going to say, don't say the title that we'll talk about no, in Christmas no no, 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 I'm, I'm
2: saving one. You might know about it out there. But anyway, Death Game really solidified the fact that home invasion movies... They're, they live in this crazy realm unto themselves where like the people doing the home invading are always kind of like sinister theater kids. They're almost kind of like the characters in Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things almost, where they're like, they're doing some little game and they're taking things as far as they can and just ratcheting things up. And like the movies always kind of eventually abandon all logic when things just get so insane. And Death Game is one of those ones where like, once, like, things start slipping apart, the movie just becomes this grand genial of filth. Just this carnivalesque display that you are now locked into.
1: It kind of, not a lot, but a little bit, reminded me of Singapore Sling. I've never seen that. It, it's It's a gross movie. It's not home invasion. It's more like a guy shows up at a house and like the people who live there are the weird ones whoa
0: yeah it's in that same vein
1: it gets like gross and weird i realize now that i kind of want to watch like
2: one or two a year that i've never seen because there's there's a good good number of them and a lot of times there are movies that i don't realize are home invasion movies
0: yeah this is one that i heard about a couple years ago and I think I heard about it from Mike white from the projection booth. If memory strikes me correctly, there's a whole projection booth episode on it. And all he said to me, because I think we were talking about Sandra Locke, who stars in this film is incredible. You can read all about how Clinton or how Clint Eastwood ruined her career, but that's the story for another day. Uh, She is an amazing force of nature and, so all I knew about this movie was batshit insane Sandra Locke home invasion style movie. And I was so close. So I I've it's one of those movies that I heard was insane enough that I should save it for kind of a special occasion. And I was going to make us watch it for Halloween because a couple weeks ago there was a day where John picked a bunch of movies we watched. There was another day where I picked a few and this was so close to being on my list mm. but I'm so glad I waited because yeah. this was the best way to so, see it for the first time
1: and you would have had two because there was another one on your list that we ended up seeing yeah, yeah. that always so that always kind of happens where
2: like during October we want to watch horror movies we're getting in the spirit we're getting in the vibe but also the 24 hour film marathon is looming yeah so we're like oh, I, how I,
0: can we avoid things that Harry we, might show yeah yeah <laughs>
2: And, and also something that I have done over the years where there's these like, I have so many blind spots in film and a lot of the reasons why I maintain certain blind spots is because there are movies that Exhumed has not screened. And I have this like deep suspicion that they're coming. And this was a year that a lot of these movies, like there's so many movies that I haven't seen that were on this list that we're going to keep going through that. I have been putting off four exhumed films to play. And and that's why this felt like such just like I know everyone who went with us and and all our friends that we saw there it was it was for all of us but I'm going to get a little fucking selfish. It felt like it was a gift to me from from the
1: gods. Like
2: this is for you, kid.
1: These are here's your it's just it's, it was so no, nice. It the, was so nice. That's what this one felt cuz I had never heard of it and the, that's my favorite when like I see a title and I'm like I do not know what this is and I'm ready for it. It's
2: it's it's so nice. It's so nice that we have this thing.
0: Oh, totally. And I think this is so We've talked a little bit about X-Fest, which hasn't been running for as many years as Hearth. It's probably been running about half the time as Harathon. Yeah, about that. And it's an event that they do in May, usually, April or May. It's half the time. It's 12 hours. It's only weird exploitation movies. There are no, like heavy hitter, mainstream things. and
2: Yeah, occasionally they'll sneak in like an assault on Precinct 13. Sure. But it's mostly just like... They'll give you a list of hints, but it's like you're not fucking guessing No one guessing ever these can movies. guess them. Yeah. You, you might get one if you're yeah, you an might, absolute psycho. Like on, one like, of the
1: more popular ones, like Class of 1984. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, so many fucking... Are
0: total mystery movies yeah. that no one has ever heard of and Harry just happened to find a print. Yeah. But for Death Game, I think especially in the early years of horrorthon there were more titles that felt like they would fit into an x-fest and i i just love that blend of like straight horror movies with monster movies and, and then you get a
2: kung fu flick thrown in there yeah
0: and definitely having death game it felt like okay here's the exploitation movie yeah. and if you haven't seen it it's really one of those movies to come out in the late 70s of which there are quite a few that I think are all pretty underrated. Movies like Robert Altman's Three Women or Images or even like the Czech film Daisies where they're not all horror movies but they're all these really gorgeous crazy portraits of women becoming unhinged for whatever reason and
2: and really leaning into their unhingedness, and just like
0: oh yeah, and Death Game goes there with yeah. gusto. Oh my gosh, and,
2: and it's it's also like really erotic. Yeah, and like it's the movie was like getting me a little bothered at times, and then like grossed out, and it's just obscene, and it's and then back it's to wonderful. erotic, and just like it, yeah, it's it's a movie that it, even though it was only fourth in the list, and you still kind of have your wits about you by movie four the delirium was starting to set in ever so slightly. And this one kind of was like, oh. oh Praying oh. upon that. And and what's weird that I thought while it was playing was that it made some of the other movies that we're going to talk about, and even like The Exorcist, feel like, oh yeah, The Exorcist is also kind of like a home invasion movie.
1: In a,
0: in a different in a way.
1: In a, yeah, from one angle, yeah. I don't know. It was funny that this one felt more like a late night movie to yeah. me then. Yeah, so to watch
2: it earlier on like when it's like oh yeah you got your faculties here so we're giving you a fully
0: it was nice to still be fresh for it though and this was also we should say a rare exception where normally these movies are all 35 millimeter but sometimes they'll make an exception for a good reason and in this case death game was recently restored and so we watched the 4k restoration and Normally it sort of grinds my gears a little bit to have a thirty-five swapped out for digital, but it looked so beautiful. Yeah,
2: and it 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 still it felt like a treat. Like we were we were watching this fucked
1: up movie uncut. Is this getting like a big release or it already has? Yeah,
0: I think it's getting one soon. I don't even know if it's been announced though.
1: The court finds the defendant George Manning guilty. Here's last supper. You better eat it. Because in a little while you're going on a very long trip. Wake up, George! Donna and Jackson love to live. And they love to play. Their way. Death Game. The object is to stay All right,
2: alive. so movie number five, Rapidly on. changing gears. Rapidly changing gears. Uh, movie number five was Cosmic Horror Sci-Fi Classic from the UK. And this was another one that I think most people who were in tune kind of... Had an idea. We, we got this one right. And like I was saying earlier about how some movies I, I put off watching uh, in the hopes that Exhumed will play them, this was one of them. John, you've been telling me about this movie yeah since we movie. were little kids you were like you gotta watch it you gotta watch it and then like when i started really getting into hammer a few years ago when hammer finally clicked with me you're like okay it's quatermass time it's quatermass time we got to watch quatermass and the pit which is just this one-of-a-kind sci- i mean sci-fi horror movie that feels like it's a sci-fi movie first and foremost and it's also this like haunted house spook show Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, but like blended with alien stuff. It's so science, unique.
1: Science versus supernatural, which is a yes. subgenre I love.
0: Me too. And it also, so the fact that it followed Death Game, it started to feel like here are things meant just for me that I'm super excited about because I love Cointer Mass in the Pit. And they usually don't screen Hammer movies. So it felt like such a nice treat. Yeah, Plus, it did. I think I should also give a little bit of a shout out here. So my first ever podcast uh, appearance, I was on an episode of Cinepunks probably four or five years ago, and I didn't know Liam and Josh. Somebody recommended me to them. And one of the movies we talked about in my episode was Quatermass in the Pit. And so it was just sort of nice to finally be reunited with Liam, who has moved across the country and sort of it felt a little full circle but also the movie is just so fucking good
2: yeah exune films their their tagline is we bring dead things back to life which is in reference to the fact they find these old prints and they screen them and they give them new life but this year's 24 it almost felt like It had another meaning, and I don't want to say that going to this felt like we were returning to normal, because that's the dumbest fucking expression in the world. We're never fucking returning to normal, thank God. Things will always be fucking different now, if you know what I'm saying. But this felt like they were bringing dead things back to life, and we were the dead things.
0: They were saying, you had a rough two years, we're going to throw you a bone, here's quite a mess in the pit. Yeah,
2: you know? And honestly, it felt like it fucking just gave me life. It gave me hope, not just quite a mess of the pit, but just this whole whole day really did. Was,
0: you know what this kind of feels like? What's that? So I am not a sports person, which I know will come to uh, as a shock to all of our listeners. (laughs) But you know, if you've ever watched cable, you can't help but like flip through when ESPN has the sort of like post Super Bowl like. where it's just, like, sports center dudes talking. That's what it feels like we're doing right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're just... Uh, looks like uh, Dan Fraga had a rough year, folks, uh, but he really <laughs> turned things around uh, at around uh, 8 p.m. when uh, Crater Mass in the pit. Well,
1: while we're on it, you notice how gorgeous this print looked? Oh, my God, It was God, stunning. Yes.
2: I, it almost looked like it was a new print right. that got newly struck. It was phenomenal-looking.
0: Yeah, and my secret favorite i think in all the horror thons for whatever reason tends to be these sci-fi horror movies because there are a whole i mean i I, i've seen quitter and the pit a bunch of times and i love it but there are so many movies like this they've shown that i had never seen before like uh deadly spawn when they showed uh, i had yeah. never seen extra when they showed i had never yeah. seen the hidden without Officer. without warning and so having one of those sci-fi horrors this year have it be one of my favorites but also one i've never seen on 35 and yeah. one that i haven't watched in probably five years it was just like uh it's perfect. It's
2: so cool. What Thank an you, insane
1: Santa. Plot this movie has, and it's just insane. Like it just goes crazier and crazier and crazier. And I love
2: how like they'll like have a bunch of like scientists just saying mumbo jumbo a little bit, and then they'll just like cut to this like muddy puddle, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and someone's With scraping mud demons. away. Yeah, Ugh. cicada demon Martians that like. Control your mind or bug your mind out. Well, well like, there there are ancestors too. Oh yeah, <laughs> they like seeded the planet. Oh my god, it's. Oh yeah, there's all
0: this shit about. So once the late '60s hit, there are all these Hammer movies that are secretly about the evils of imperialism and colonialism. Like uh, the zombie movie, uh, Plague of the Zombies. Plague of the Zombies, Quatermass in the Pit, The Reptile. They all have these secret themes of, like, colonial uh, colonialism is bad. Surprise, England.
1: We did a wrong thing, Laurie. Hammer's <laughs> trying to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's three Quatermass movies. They're based off of a BBC show. It felt like that. It, it felt definitely
2: like has, a, a uh, like, a hard Doctor Who vibe. Oh, for sure. And Quatermass himself kind of felt like a Sherlock, Doctor Who kind of oh, guy.
1: And, and, oh, yes. uh, over there, he's, he's known as Doctor Who's grandfather. That's what they... and um that
0: is totally how he feels
1: all three of the Quatermass movies are great but and the pit is the is the best one
0: it's so good and that that thing that you were talking about earlier about how it's that sort of perfect combination of supernatural horror butting up against more scientific sci-fi horror right in done in the most bananas way
1: it's sort of like it's like oh you think this is magic but no it's just like crazy alien technology we don't, we, yeah, we don't yeah yeah, yeah
2: that like x files kind of things going on and i like a lot of times uh, we, we've i've you know we've remarked on this in the past but like british movies sometimes lull you into this false sense of security because they're kind of quaint they're yeah kind of pretty- lots and of tweed a lot a of, lot of tweed you know a lot of like stuffy stiff upper lips and then like when things start kind of getting a little fucked up a little weird You're suddenly like, oh shit!
0: You're in full psycho mode, and yeah, yeah, definitely. If you're skeptical of Hammer movies, I know we gave a lot of recommendations in our Frankenstein episode, but this is a really great one to check out. That feels like a deeper cut because it doesn't have Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee, and it it doesn't really have that same sort of historical setting and it's
1: just such a different crazy thing. Yeah, very atypical for them. Quatermass, the scientist, who comes face to face with five million years of terror. Rooney, it's Barbara. She's the one. Get down here, quick. She can see into the pit and knows the terrifying truth. Oh, man! (laughs) He can see into the pit but he will not believe what he sees they were coming. me oh, what were them them he saw the creatures they were alive alive you descend into the pit of hell
2: all right you, you guys want to move on heart. to number six this one i'm i'm so hyped for this
0: was one of uh, my favorite and i i you know again having it be in that series of Death Game and Mass and then this movie. I was uh, like, this is the best day that's ever happened. Yeah, it was,
2: it was just such a treat. Uh, the, the clue we had was very, very simple. It just said, zombie movie favorite. And I think the guess that I wrote down... Uh, day of the Dead? No, no, we, we we were thinking Day of the Dead, but I was like, that seems a little too obvious. And I know they played that at the Mahoning not too long ago. Uh, or la- Yeah, last year. Uh, m- the guess I wrote down was Return of the Living Dead Part 3. Oh,
0: that's right. <laughs> uh, which I don't know if
2: that's necessarily a favorite, uh, but it's- I
1: wouldn't call it a favorite. <laughs> well, it's it's a fucking movie. I loved it as a kid. Yeah, it's a movie for sure. Um,
0: <laughs> it's a movie with zombies in it. When
1: yeah. when they said they were playing some uh, digital, that's when I knew this was coming, because I, this has been making the rounds. The movie they played
2: was Tombs of the Blind Dead, which is, that's the first Blind Dead film, right? Yes, sure yes. And so- I know I've seen all these movies probably a couple times over the years in my life but I don't know which order they're in I always kind of jump around Night of the Seagulls is one of the ones that I really really like for some reason that's the fourth one I, I return to that one so much. Ghost There's, Galleon. Oh, Bring yeah. it on. There's a scene where they show a toy boat in a kiddie pool. Oh, uh, yeah, that's Ghost Galleon. <laughs> that just fucks it's me magical. up every time. Night
1: of the Seagulls is my favorite the, of the sequels because it feels the most like the first one. Yeah, so
2: The Blind Dead, if you're not familiar with them, it's this Spanish horror series. Armando de Osorio, yeah. From, is it the 60s or the 70s? 70s. Early the, 70s. 70s. the early so yeah, 70s. Yeah, 72, this first one. And... They're a little. It's a hard nut to crack at first because they have this very slow, dreamlike. They pace. They have
0: quelled logic. Is the best they way I can describe them. Absolutely
2: do. It. Like it's it's so slow and and meandering and plotting. And the way that the blind dead move. Who are these? Like, like hooded- they're n- they're
0: knights templar. Who so. If you know anything about historical conspiracy theories and secret societies, you already know all about the Knights Templar. But if you don't, you should read up about them because their history is insane. Like, but their real history and their kind of yeah, conspiracy hat. theory history. But this movie suggests that the Knights Templars were actually practicing satanic rituals to give them powers and they were, you know drinking blood and eating flesh, and now they've come back to do yeah. it all again. And there are
2: just these, like, slow-moving skeletons in these, like, the, dusty these, Yeah,
0: these, like, spirit Halloween skeletons that were spray-painted and... They look wonderful, though. They
2: do. And they move so slowly that, like, you kind of forget that they're a threat. Yes. And they have like powers that you don't quite understand. Like they'll be coming at you through like a door and then you turn around and they're in the room. Yeah. And they're just like everywhere and there's no getting away from them. And the one thing that I think is so scary about them is that they're not just like zombies where they're going to like eat you. They have swords and it and it's also implied that they are sexually assaulting the people that they attack. Yeah, these for fucking sure. skeletons. And it's like and you're scared about being raped and murdered. these dusty fucking skeletons and it's just like it's unnerving they're
0: definitely so I know plenty of people who can't stand certain things about Spanish horror like who don't like Paul Nashy and just can't get into Jess Franco and Spanish horror from a pretty young age has been my like bread and butter I've done a ton of Spanish horror commentaries and I think it's a really acquired taste but if you have the taste there's something just so magical about these because of how incredibly illogical and surprising and atmospheric they are and if you need a place to start and you don't want to go the sort of werewolf Paul Nashi route or the kind of vampiros lesbos erotic car Jess Franco route Tombs of the Blind Dead is just so perfect and this restoration looks so good.
2: I know they they previously screened this movie. I believe it was this one. They often do their Go Ape marathon, which is all of the Planet of the Apes movies, yes. and they had a bonus thrown in one year
1: and apparently John do you know the story about this shit somebody re-edited this as a Planet of the Apes sequel <laughs> and it's funny because my uncles are big Planet of the Apes fans and that's how they know this movie they're like yeah which is psychotic yeah. what, like, it was like Return Spanish- of the Ape or yeah, something or- Return of the Evil Ape or something like that I forget
2: I think all they did was they added like oh, like an uh, intro uh, and yeah stuff. an intro title thing where some voiceover was saying like and then after the apes yeah. you know uh, then
0: came the Knights temple <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: i also was
0: slightly in a drug f- fugue and this movie so being up front this movie is not scary it has no, it's some a, it's, it's really a vibe yeah it's you got vibe. atmosphere yeah it has some great atmospheric parts but i was genuinely scared during certain parts and felt like I was trapped in the Spanish wilderness and would never be able to escape. I
2: also uh we were kind of on the same level. Uh, yeah, we were. I was also getting really scared and it wasn't because of what was happening in the movie. It was the movie was making me think scary shit. Yeah. You know?
1: Which is a lot of good horror movies where it's like a springboard of like shit that you got going on in your head where it's yeah, like oh it's, that's Yeah. It's that's a, it's
2: scary. igniting a certain
1: And I think a lot of Euro
0: horror specifically, like we talked about this a lot in our first episode on Fulci and Gates of Hell, where I think it can be frustrating for people who like more straightforward, more mainstream like American horror, like slashers and things like that, because there's just this like refusal to make sense that I think is more interesting and can be scarier. Because here it's like, why on earth... Would your plot be the Knights Templar have risen from the grave?
1: Fucking
2: go with it, baby. (laughs) Just go with it. It's
1: not even that, though, like... Characters and character motivations in this movie are completely bonkers. Yeah,
0: there's this whole like lesbian subplot, and the first lady who gets killed runs away from her friends because she's in love with her friend, but her friend is interested in this guy. And yeah, honestly, so like, many all, all, all and that times. shit
2: to me is just like that's, yeah, that's oh, the background I'm, I'm fine stuff. With it. Yeah, these, these really are vibes, but
0: movies. I love that part of it too the weird yeah. like melodrama aspect. I know you do. I, I do know. So much. Yeah.
1: And like the fact that like it seems like a lot of it is just made up as they go along just kind of adds to the dreaminess of it all. Yeah. Yes. And I was really happy because the last time I watched this movie, I watched it for a podcast and like I it just didn't like work with me. Like I I've seen it like I used to watch it all the time as a teenager and loved it. And then, like, this time, or the last time, I was just like, uh, actually, I think I kind of fall, fell out of love with it. And then seeing it with a crowd. You're back, And baby. I was like, oh, okay. I needed this re- this rejuvenation of it. And not just to see it with a crowd. To see it with a crowd before watching The
2: Exorcist, Eyes to the Face, Terramaric Godzilla, right. Death Game, Quatermass in the Pit. Like, you just watch those five movies. And now you're watching a blind dead. You're movie. primed you're,
0: you're, for
2: a The gears have been lubed up in your brain. The perfectly. coffin
1: Joe morgue attendant guy is one of my all-time favorite yeah. characters in a movie ever. All right. Wait, before we go, the girl, the first girl, turned comes back as a zombie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But th- like, that's not in the logic of the movie because they're just like there vampire dudes. There is no
0: logic. Yeah, this. I know that's part of. That. And
1: then, and then, none of the people in the train at the end like come i it was just it's it wonderful. just shows there's making it up and like i'm grateful for it because that set piece with the red light and it's the stalking so corpse cool. is like fuck yeah it's one of the best scenes in the movie and
0: it, it, it they do i think as a series have some of these great more historical set atmospheric set pieces in castles and around tombs but then they also have set pieces like those where it feels like a giallo or something yes like lots of gel lighting and
1: i like how each sequel is like a reboot where like they change the origin story yeah. a bit to fit into like what we're gonna do this time yeah fuck yeah blind dead all the way there's no escape from the blind dead they are the templars devil worshipers a death cult that has risen from their thousand-year-old tombs to begin a horrible reign of terror. Coming soon from your cemetery.
2: All right. Uh, number seven. The, uh, the clue that we got was old school, unofficial sequel to one of the original Hollywood horror blockbusters. And I think this was another one that we all kind of were like on the same page about.
0: Well, for good reason, and I ruined it. You did not ruin
2: it, Sam. This, this. So, like we were saying earlier, we we did our own little marathons where Sam curated a day, and they were all mystery movies. Same with you, John. Yeah. And in Sam's lineup, almost every time you played a movie, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna is they're playing that?" But it only happened the one time. And we watched Return of the Vampire, which was this wonderful. Not sequel to Dracula,
0: but an unofficial. So, Columbia Pictures, who are one of the Poverty Row studios, thought, you know what, guys? Dracula was a hit. It's a decade later. It's 1943. World War II is raging.
2: Bella Lugosi needs Bela like Lugosi. at least, you know, $2,000 in order to get his fucking morphine habit going for another six months or.
0: Stop making fun of Bella Lugosi. Poor Bella Yeah, have some respect. I'm sorry. So, (laughs) I'm
1: sorry. (laughs) It worked out that you played it because I needed to go get something to eat at this point. Like, I was starving. It was movie number seven. You had only
0: had popcorn for, like,
2: eight hours.
1: We were sitting in our seats two hours before the show starts
2: because we're just, like, (laughs) we're in our seats. We found our spot. And John's got this, like, extra large popcorn, and he's, like... By 11 a.m. He's he's halfway through it. He's got fucking, like... His
1: face is glistening with butter. It
0: was glistening with joy, not with (laughs) butter. The
1: theater is... (laughs) my church and popcorn is my communion you know that's 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 how i roll
0: but return of the vampire it just it's so wonderful to me this idea of taking this beloved classic horror property and doing an unofficial sequel and making it crazier like there's all this shit about his the vampire who's armand tesla not not dracula he's a scientist and there's like a female van helsing character which never who's happens who's also a scientist she's yeah, a yeah. scientist too and well that's what i meant by van helsing character yeah but like the vampire's tomb is disturbed by a nazi bomb that hits london during the blitz it's just he's got this inexplicable werewolf manservant who looks like if Toto from The Wizard of Oz was turned into <laughs> oh a werewolf. Oh my God, he
2: does. Uh, yeah, I yeah, You pointed that out yeah. when we watched it, John. I was like <laughs> looking at this guy and I was like, this is pretty good uh wolfman makeup. And you're like, yeah, if he's fucking Toto. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it also kind of fits with the theme we were talking about earlier because the main sort of plot is... These two scientists are working together. They encounter this vampire preying upon people. And one of the people he preys upon is this like adopted charge of the female Van Helsing character. And there are these really creepy scenes in the beginning of the movie where Bella Lugosi basically preys on this six-year-old girl in the middle of the night. And so later in the movie, when she's supposed to be, I think she's probably supposed to be like 19 or 20, he comes back and kind of reignites that hypnotic vampiric hold he has on her. It's sort of another one of those movies where there's this like tormented young woman who's being watched over by these scientists who aren't necessarily helping her. And
1: it's another science versus supernatural movie. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: and honestly, fucking the way Bella Lugosi just fucking stares at people in these movies yeah. and just does his fucking weird face staring thing. Like, yeah. and like he's times, on a drug. Like, there and are he's times where, out. where it's not even filmed like face on, but you can see like his side profile looking at someone. He's and got a great You can tell profile. that he is just
1: locked in and, and it's. He's, he's a fucking force to be reckoned with for sure. I don't sure. mean this in a mean way, but the guy was weird looking, which made him like he's perfect. Super intense looking. Yeah, just something yeah. strange and eerie about him. I, I think more so than
2: a, a lot of the like bigger names back in the day, like your Lon Chaney's and stuff, like Bela Lugosi looked
0: fucking Yeah, Lon Cheney made himself look yeah right any right. number of ways, but was pretty normal looking, sometimes very handsome in roles the uh, one last thing I wanted to say about Return of the Vampire is it's one of the earliest movies to have gore effects. There's a scene at the very end of the movie that is meant to show you Lugosi's face rotting as you watch. And it's pretty primitive compared to, you know, most of the other movies that we watched today, but it's still just nice to see that in there. Yeah. Even it, and, for and that was like kind of like one purposes. of the
2: closing things was like this like face melting. And because yeah. the movie came out in 1943, like the war wasn't even over yet. And the war like not, looms over the whole movie. Yeah. It's kind of intense. Like even like even though this was like a shitty, not shitty, but like a poverty row, low budget Dracula knockoff from Columbia Studios, it still like.
0: Yeah, there's this shit in the beginning of the movie. So there's this like long prequel sequence that I mentioned with the girl when she's just a child. But when the movie actually starts, one of the main plot points is they're rescuing a German scientist from a concentration camp. Like, Yeah.
1: How many movies from then were contemporary? like Frankenstein, Dracula, all of those movies were, you know, Older back gothic, in the day. Yeah.
0: Not a lot. The person who did that the most was definitely like Val Luton, the movies yes. that, that he made.
1: You have no power over me. That was ended many years ago. I'm no longer your slave. Dr. Ainsley has cleansed me of all the evil that you forced upon me. I... You can't bring it back. You can't. I I won't let you. I I won't.
2: You're a fool, Andreas, a complete utter fool. Your fate is to be what you are, as mine is to be what I am, your master. Come here. Look at me,
0: Andreas.
2: Look at me. I'm tired, folks. Uh, we, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're operating here Actually, on. Uh,
1: yeah, but I feel like we're 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 doing better than I thought. I thought we were gonna like take a break <laughs> after each movie. All <laughs> right, we'll have to well,
2: lay down. So uh, another one, number eight, Hell which is yeah. the greatest
0: thing ever. And oh I. Gosh. I feel like this was just for me. Yeah, this really felt like a gift. John mentioned earlier that a lot of the time when the production company logo would come up, people would know what it was and would start clapping. I was the only person who clapped at the opening frames of this movie. And when we were writing our guesses on the ballot, I totally blanked. But... About an hour to an hour and a half before this came on, I knew exactly what it was. It was like I got a brain wave and was like, holy shit, I know what we're watching.
2: The clue they gave us was sleazy, absolutely bonkers Italian horror
1: ripoff, which honestly could be, About a quintillion fucking movies. I was thinking it was going to be Beyond the Door, but then when The Exorcist played, I was like, they're not going to do two of these. I think
2: that's also why I wasn't thinking Exorcist for the first movie was because we were thinking Exorcist Knockoff later on. And the movie they played is...
0: Patrick Still Lives, one of the greatest things ever.
1: I was shocked. Okay, so... I've seen this before. I kind of wish this was my first time seeing it. This was my first. It. Oh, my God. Severin just put it out. it so out. many times. And I saw the one scene, which involves a poker and a- uh, Mary
0: Angela Giordano and her screaming and tr- she just lays there and gets, increasingly spreads her legs and is like, no, no, yeah,
1: fire poker, her, her, don't impale her, me. Her holiest of holies gets skewered yeah, you, by poker. you see
2: full frontal pussy lips just yeah, it's it's open. not even
0: just Bush.
1: You no, yeah. see, no, act- no.
0: it's an actual pussy shot. And
1: I just assumed that was going to be cut. I it was assumed like they were not from going fucking
2: to- Lars von Trier movie, you know? If
1: or or some fucking from a Jamie Gillis fucking movie. And and I di- I assumed like that's not going to be in here. Like it's going to be like edited down. And no, she just started spreading her legs and I'm like, oh my god, is the audience ready for this? <laughs> You're quite a girl, pussy.
2: I'm strictly the outdoor type. Patrick Still Lives is is one that is very, very hard to describe. So the reason why I had never seen it before is because I saw the first Patrick in my early 20s and I didn't love it. It was one that I kind of heard about for a long time
1: and I didn't really love it. It's like a half an hour too long.
2: I think it's great.
1: I, I enjoy it, but it's a 90-minute movie spread out for two hours. It would have more punch if they condensed it.
2: It's a little. It's been so long since I've seen it that I can't really tell you why I didn't really vibe with it. I just kind of didn't. And then a few years later, you showed me a movie, John, called The Sender. Oh, yes. And The Sender's from, I think, 1982. And to me, The Sender felt like the movie that I wished Patrick was. Yeah, there's similarities, but yeah, yeah, Yeah. I I see where you're going. And then finally watching Patrick Still Lives, I realized like, oh, shit, Patrick Still Lives is the movie The Sender Wishes It Was.
0: Yeah, the the plot is so insane. So Patrick is this sort of sci-fi thriller about this guy named Patrick who's in a coma but starts manifesting these telekinetic powers while he's in the coma ward in a hospital falls in love with his nurse and the way he expresses his love to her is by writing Oscar Wilde poetry on a typewriter and it's like kind of sweet and tragic in some ways, but he also becomes a fucking violent stalker like from his hospital bed.
2: Yeah. It's definitely a really unique movie.
0: But the thing that makes this more insane is like Patrick feels like such a one off and such kind of an obscurity that it's just bananas that some Italian producer would be like, you know what we need to make an unofficial sequel to Patrick, right, and right. it's like, what the but it's so it like takes it's not the same character, but it's a totally different guy named Patrick
1: who gets into a car. He,
0: Patrick still lives, no, somebody
1: like, throws something outside so of the car. Somebody
0: driving past throws a bottle out of their car window that results in him getting into a car accident, going into a coma. It just so happens that his dad is a mad scientist, which brings us back to the whole mad science theme of the day. And then the plot is loosely like Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, where all these different people get anonymous letters inviting them on a vacation. And they go to this castle, which we'll talk more about in a second, But basically, the premise is to get them there, make them think they're on vacation, and then kill them one by one. And it's so crazy because he doesn't bother trying to find out who actually threw the bottle. Right. He just kills all of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, He's covering all the fucking bases. (laughs) But like,
0: he could just, you know, shoot them all or stab them all. But instead, he gets Patrick to develop these telekinetic powers with the help of these other people in comas who he has strapped yeah. up to these, it makes and, and no okay, sense.
1: And, but, but no, it gives you a better alibi, at least.
2: <laughs> I mean, like, to be fair, it does. That, and, that, that and, makes sense. And to put things into context here, this was movie eight. <laughs> so so this is, we were uh, this is what we time. would kind of call like around the halfway mark. And that's kind of when your brain starts to shift and you're in full-on mode. Right. And when you realize that, like, we're only halfway through here. Yeah, we're only halfway oh, through yeah, here. Oh yeah, yeah. And like I was you kind of start getting a little, uh, uh, you know, like something kind of like a flip gets switched a little bit. And I, I think during this one, like there's a long uh, stretch of silence where like the audience kind of couldn't really make up People their mind. People were minds. not sure what they weren't to sure. Think. Like it was just quiet. There was yeah. it was kind of quiet, and. uh I think you know round two or whatever the fuck I was uh, putting in my face started fucking creeping up on me. A that's little bit. when
1: I that's when I started and I picked the perfect time. And to, and
2: I think I I like I laughed once like uh, not maniacally but
1: like like a oh, little. Oh, you laughed maniacally a couple. Yeah, times. you were you were kind of losing it when those uh, the the scene with the guy was in the pool and all the trees started moving. You you kind of yeah yeah.
0: There was definitely a wave set off once people realized, so for the first half of patrick still lives if you've never heard of it and you haven't seen a lot of this crazy psychotronic italian sleaze it's really hard to understand what am i watching and how am i supposed to feel about it and how should i react but i think by the second half of the movie more people were laughing and getting into the insanity but
1: yeah i honestly think like three-fifths of the time people are laughing at your laugh
2: yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. But here's the here, to go backwards a little bit though. I think Patrick was a hit in Italy. Uh, yeah, because I haven't heard it, but apparently there's like an alternative version with Goblin music. Like Goblin Whoa. did a soundtrack for it.
0: So my understanding, and I could be wrong, is that the alternate version uses existing Goblin music. Okay, okay. Um, but I I could be wrong about that. We'll we'll have to figure that out and was this
1: this was made by people that did burial grounds yeah and definitely feels like it and it's in the same house
0: yeah it's in the same castle and it's made by the same team mariangela giordano who stars in this and who you know has her pussy skewered by a giant fire poker she is in a lot of the movies these people all made together, which includes Burial Ground, Jalo uh, in Venice, which is not in this location, but has a similar vibe. Malabimba, which I did the commentary for that Vinegar Syndrome put out and has actual hardcore scenes inserted into it. This movie felt like, it, like a it lot it of scenes were about I, I, I think
1: that is a hardcore scene you know it's not <laughs> <You know, laughs> all right there's penetration
0: there there is definitely some penetration there but patrick still lives i did a couple months ago a guest spot on on Sunghar's, and on that episode i talked about how patrick still lives might have the most number of J&B bottles in any movie and it has this fucking J&B ashtray it has a J&B pitcher that I found earlier this year on the internet and bought for myself so I I don't know why but I'm a Patrick Still lives super fan (laughs) you're
2: you're also a J&B super fan too that's
0: true but the fact that this came on halfway through and it was this gray thirty-five millimeter print with live subtitling of all things. Oh my
2: goodness! So that was the real. That was such a treat. What they did was, I guess, um, the Exoom Films had a copy of this, or or they had a thirty-five millimeter print of this that was just the Italian not subtitled, not yeah. subtitled thing, and f- they fucking set up a goddamn little digital projector in in the front of the theater connected just to, to a laptop just to project onto the screen. Subtitles that some hero put together
0: Ian, who is a longtime friend of exhumed sat there at the foot of the stage manually putting the subtitles in
2: (laughs) (laughs) honestly like films and, and the whole crew around that supports them like whatever theater they're in whoever's fucking ripping tickets and scooping popcorn and keeping the fucking hooting jackals at bay. Uh, they're all the hooting just... jackals being us yeah. On the, yes <laughs> well uh, the royal the, us you in the case
0: of patrick still lives i laughed but you like you were a I lost, jackal for i a lost
2: my shit <laughs> but
0: but this is the movie that will make you do that because parts of it feel like a soap opera telenovela where there's just really dramatic music for no reason and People who can't really act are supposed to make these suspenseful, exaggerated facial
2: expressions. It's It's one that, like, I really thought, I can't wait to watch this again.
0: Lots of ladies defiantly getting their tits out. Like, when people tell them to calm down and behave, they're like, well, now I'm going to rip my clothes off, and what the fuck are you going to do about it? Yeah.
1: Uh, Whoever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I'm trying to figure it out without, like,. Implementing myself about like how like what type of person would make a movie like this?
0: I mean, I just I'm talking about how I'm a super fan of this movie. So it's it's, but it's just
1: like it's perfect.
0: This is your brain on drugs. Any questions?
2: All right, moving on from Patrick Still Lives to. Number nine.
0: Something, again, completely different. Yeah,
2: this was, a, this was a gear changer for sure. The clue was smart supernatural sleeper that is one of the many films referenced in the first song from the Rocky Horror Picture Dear Show.
0: Andrew said proves, gave him the rules, and passing
2: the muse lots of skills but when worlds collide Said George Powell to his bride, I'm gonna give you some terrible thrills. Like a science fiction science double feature. Fiction and my first thought when I was like I was like singing the song double in my head trying to figure out what it is. I remember like I was like hearing like the callback scene when like you like scream at the screen yeah. Rocky Hart plays and everyone shouts, What the fuck's a triffid? at the screen. <laughs> And like, I was like, okay, maybe it's Day of the Triffids. I think our my, my, my dear friend Bobby like, looked over my shoulder and saw- And was saw, like, absolutely not. Yeah, Take and, this off. Yeah, she was just like, <laughs> it's Night of the Demon, dude. What are you thinking?
0: It's funny that Rocky Horror came up because the way I found out about Exhumed Films is I would occasionally go to Rocky Horror performances at the Harwin- and I think the way I started going to Exhumed is they had flyers at the Harwin for these ah. horror movie shows. So I was like, wait a minute. Like I had gotten old enough where I was starting to lose interest in Rocky Horror, but was like, whoa, the Fulci movie is showing here? What's happening? <laughs> Night of the Demon, though, is wonderful and It's also great that they happened to get, I think they meant to get Curse of the Demon, which is the shorter American cut. Right. But instead they got the longer full British cut of the film. And this is, it's just, again, like we were saying earlier, they don't usually show these older classic horror movies, but this is just such a, you know yeah. full car supernatural staple for me it's so, so perfect it
2: seems like they usually lean on like those like 80s gore, gore slasher, and, and like and like yeah. party movies that Boy. like you're ordering a fucking pizza to not these ones that you're sitting down with a glass of wine and like a, trying yeah. to get a scared yeah. yeah yeah so there was like a definitely a lot of that this year and Night of the demon is just so fucking cool it, it's one that i saw years ago on turner classic movies yeah. i think like uh I had a little minor fender bender uh, and I was like in the hospital for like two weeks on my a motorcycle. minor
0: fender bender. You almost died. Well,
2: man, the thing is, is like I fucking, when I was, I was watching the TV in the room, you know, and they had me on that fucking sweet Bell Lugosi drip and sorry. And, uh, and I didn't want to watch fucking commercials. I was like, listen, if I'm going to fucking sit here, I'm watching Turner classic movies. Cause like, all I got to do is listen to Ben Mankiewicz say some cool shit every two hours. And, and that's it. No commercials. Right. And Night of the Demon was one of the ones that came on like late at night. And wow, what a cool, gorgeous black and white movie with like miniatures. Yeah. And just like...
0: It also, I mean, Jacques Tourneau is such a great underrated director. I mean, Out of the Past is one of the best film noir movies of all time. And what I love so much about this, which I think is so unusual for the 50s the fifties were really overtaken by sci-fi horror, especially stuff that feels campy that maybe now people like to laugh at. But this movie takes the supernatural horror totally seriously. And again, kind of like the exorcist has this main character who is a doctor. He, I think he's a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and instead of there being this kind of, you know, scientific explanation for everything at the end, it goes hard with there being a real supernatural evil, of course, and the characters based on Aleister Crowley, which is the best thing ever.
1: And it looks gorgeous. When the the fog starts breaking out and that monster just starts, like, coming out of it, it doesn't look hokey to me at all. It looks, like, no. legit. It looks great. Yeah. And the whole movie, like, it, it definitely feels like Something he would have made for Val Luton when he was working Absolutely. for him. Absolutely, it's, it, it's like surprising he didn't miss that a it's step. not. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. just a, a great flick and a great movie to have in the number nine slot.
1: I would kind of wish they played it earlier because, like, I was this is when I was starting to like fight sleep. Your fist fizzling. And, little and I love this movie, and I would have appreciated yeah. seeing it a lot yeah, more. Yeah, I saw so you starting to
2: like slump
1: a yeah. little lower, you know, as the, as the
2: night went on. This was the one where like. My friend like gave me a, a weed gummy and I like popped it in. And I was like, "Wait a second, are these strong?" And then he gave me another one to give to you, Sam. And you're like, "No, I'm good." And I went to give it back to him, and he was like, "No, you keep it." And I'm like, "Okay." And I just ate it. I'll and keep I was like, it here in my mouth. Oh, my yeah, God. and I was like, "Wait, so what did you say? Are they strong?" And it's like, "Yeah, they're super strong." <laughs> you know, and like I didn't think anything of it, and I was like, "Okay," and I was like, "Already, you know, doing drugs," and I had to step outside. For
1: about you five got minutes. Scared.
2: I got, I was yeah. like, oh shit, I need to go breathe you outside. You thought the demon was
1: after you. I did. I did.
2: No one is safe. These movies are doing some subliminal messaging, and we've been in Phoenixville, this like weird picturesque X yeah. villa town. And I was like, oh my god, we need to, we need to burn this whole town down real quick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I have an imagination
1: like anyone else. It's easy to see a demon in every dark corner, but I refuse to let this thing take possession of my good senses.
0: If this world is ruled by demons and monsters, we may as well give up right
2: now. That's a good time to lose your mind, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then right after Night of the Demon, we slip into movie 10, which is, is the official welcome to fucking delirium movie. Welcome to 2 a.m. or welcome to whatever time it was. I think it
0: was 3 a.m. by this point. Yeah.
2: This is when you you truly do lose your grip on reality.
0: And also you sort of struggle with like, I'm having a great time and I'm so happy about all these movies, but I'm tired and I haven't had an actual meal and I have been sitting in the same seat and i feel like i live here now and will never yeah. get to leave you
2: truly it feels like you've been in this theater for your entire fucking life yeah and and you're you've you've always been in this theater it's
1: funny because you always think back of like when you walked in and you're first looking at the hint sheet and the first movie plays and it feels a mil like it's been a million years yeah and and so when number 10 rolled around,
2: uh, the clue they gave us was rarely seen satire of 1950s era sci-fi horror movies. And we were thinking this is going to be like some kind of funzo, like not matinee, but like a
1: matinee-esque. Right.
0: I swore it was going to be Giant Spider Invasion, which is the same year yeah. as the movie it actually is.
1: I thought it was going to be The Being, the Jackie Kong, like... 50s style monster movie before i think it's before blood diner
2: the one we got was one that i had had never heard of yeah me neither it, it felt like i don't know if you guys know this weird sub sub genre called the nudie cuties or oh hell yeah, oh, yeah. Herschel gordon lewis made a bunch yeah of yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, doris wishman oh for sure yeah yeah like those like weirdo kind of like yeah. almost like beach party movies with like a monster rolling around the movie was called the day it came to earth and it was this, like, fucking skull man walking around who kind of looked like if someone put the tar man through a car wash and, like, cleaned <laughs> him up a little bit. Totally. You know, it was like a drier tar man from Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> this is all new to me
1: this is i after yeah this uh, I, one i i, I, never I right out though like I oh was, you you were you were yeah, testing this one yeah i i i couldn't fight it anymore. i kind
0: of feel like you chose the right movie to sleep through because i wasn't crazy about this one like it was cute and i always love when they pick movies i've never heard of and would never probably watch any other yeah. time but definitely this slot is a rough one like there have been years where at this particular slot they've played Al Adamson movies or things where you're just like my brain is yeah. melting I don't yeah. like it oh no I, this was cutesy. I,
2: I absolutely appreciate that I, I love when they like really test you and they test yeah. your will
1: you're like oh you here I just watched the first five minutes of this and I was like you know what I really want to be awake for the Hong Kong movie so I'm gonna submit take a
0: little nap You are all
2: my children now. Uh number eleven, this is when they kind of snapped us right back to fucking reality. And they were like, oh shit, we had a little old timey laugh and fun. Here comes a fucking wackadoo. A weird one. (laughs) They were all fucking wackadoos. This is the first time I've seen this. This is uh so I've I've always heard about it. Um they they screened this movie. The the clue they gave us was uh Low-budget Lovecraftian lunacy.
0: Love that alliteration.
2: Absolutely do, too. Uh, we were thinking it might have been Dagon or- Yeah,
0: I was really hoping it would be Messiah of Evil, oh, which yes. I think they may actually have screened at some point, That's But insane. or even
2: Dunwich Horror would be great. The movie they gave us was this movie from, I think, like the late 80s. 87. From 1987 called The Curse. And it was run under the title of The Farm.
0: Which sort of makes more sense than The Curse. Yeah.
2: And it was basically an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's seminal work, The Color Out of Space, which has been adapted to death, sort of. Only a few times. No,
0: only a few times and die, monster, not die. particularly well. No,
2: I- I've. this is hands down, far and away, the greatest adaptation of this. F- yeah, I, the, have...
0: I fucking hate the new version of The Color Out of Space. No,
1: no, no. I didn't see it. I never liked that guy. The guy that did Hardware, yeah. what's his name? Richard Stanley. I've only seen Hardware, and I, it's one of those movies that I do not understand why people like it. Yeah,
2: I, I think that was kind of one of those like entry-level cult movies from yeah, like so maybe a decade ago. That's just people have, have, have people a little over. bit of
1: a lock with it. I really like this because it felt like a southern regional horror movie. It definitely felt regional. But shaking hands with like the film Mirage era of oh, Italian yeah. horror. Like those yeah. two like blended together. Oh, for
2: sure. Like there was no escape from this madness and it was just ratcheting up. Right. This family was sinking deeper, deeper into a depravity. But it like
1: ghost house production
2: value.
0: Yes. You know what it also reminded me of a little bit? So a few months ago, we did a cat themed marathon. And the movie that we closed with, I can't even remember what it was called. It was this like,
2: it was this. Made for TV movie, I think. I
0: don't know if it was made for TV. It had a made for TV vibe. Yes. And it had that sort of, this is going to show on late night cable kind of vibe. It's, set at this suburban house but it's not really suburban it's it's like a suburban family has moved rural and are having trouble adapting and now they're trapped there
2: yeah and like they get kind of like overrun by cats what was it called <sighs> oh jeez is it strays yeah
0: yeah I've never strays, seen that but oh my I've God, you read the, so ba- good. the back of the
2: box you'd absolutely get a kick out yeah, of strays yeah yeah I it, I it refused to similar. rent it when
1: I was a kid because I knew some of the cats would die and I would cry <laughs> <laughs> that, that checks out <laughs> but um to uh to go back to the farm um associate producer is credited uh lewis fulci oh yeah who we know uh,
0: everyone clapped when when we saw that
2: on <laughs> screen lewis fulci. who's
1: known as lucho fulci as that's his real name um he also did second unit work And a lot of the establishing shots of, like, the farmhouse look straight out of, like, Gates of Hell and the beyond. Like, it has the fog. It's, like, that, like, low angle where the house is looming on top of you, even though it's still kind of, like, in the distance. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Like, we're getting a little bit of, like, Fulci magic here. And I had no idea that this movie had Italian ties. Like, I always knew there was this weird Will Wheaton... Colorado space adaptation that would eventually get around to watching the the guy who produced it um how do you pronounce oh, video asinitis yeah okay so it is asinitis yeah <laughs> oh I thought I was you gonna say to that say and asinitis. everybody was gonna laugh at me I, I oh, think John, you could
0: you could also say yeah. asinitas
1: okay um what's yeah, the it's, it's what's Uranus, the other one John. he did the the slasher movie with the twins oh god I, I can't think of it it's, it's it's driving me crazy right now yeah it's, it, it shows it's like a another... title with another movie
0: Yeah, I of years ago I did a happy birthday themed marathon and we watched it then because is it primeval? No, 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 it's uh madhouse madhouse, yes, thank you,
1: thank you. But but I was but when I first saw his name, I was like, I did not know there was going to be an Italian connection to this, that's really cool. And then once I saw Louis Fulci, I was like, oh my god, this is like. Wow! Like something from yeah, the we gods. got
0: a secret Fulci movie. Yeah, we did, and
1: it's like fuck yes. And
2: it was it was pretty pretty gnarly, pretty pretty brutal at times. Like yeah. I I definitely laughed and was having a little bit of fun.
1: Yeah, it wasn't exactly well made, but whatever. The acting was a bit. You Hang know. on a second. Sorry, oh, I, re- sorry I really sorry, need sorry. a cough drop.
2: Guess what, Biz? <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus.
1: It wasn't, like, particularly well-made, and the acting was a bit off. But it also kind of had that Amityville 2 vibe where, like, the family was just scum. Which is another
0: one that has – it actually – so I slept through part of it and need to go back and watch the whole thing. But the parts that I was awake for definitely gave me that sort of Amity 2 vibe where it feels like – a regional American horror movie made by Italians. Yeah, she and, she
1: fucks the one of the older sons, but he's only in there for that scene, and they just like they just, he was, his character is just made so the mom mom could fuck her stepson, so the crazy Bible spouting dad could be mad and abusive for the rest of the movie. It, it has that kind of it like was logic. pretty
2: pretty creep creeped out this flick, and like what you were saying about how you were like falling asleep. During it, I think this was a good one to have that, like, in and out snoozing yes, too. yes. Only because, like, it's one of those ones where, like...
0: It was more and more demented every time I woke yeah, up. Yeah, so
2: it, you're, like, falling in and out of a dream, and you're, like, half awake, and every time you come to some other form of just pure insanity is just rocking your socks.
0: Also, we should talk about how this is another one of those bizarro Italian quote-unquote series where the movies all have similar titles but they don't have anything to do with each other like cursed 2 is a movie that i love the subtitle is the bite and it's basically about these radioactive snakes who are found in the southwest american desert and if they bite you they turn you into this like where snake berserking I'm rampaging character. I am in. I'm oh in. Oh my god you sold it. You I, sold it. I will make you guys watch this maybe man. next Halloween. It's amazing.
2: Forgive me if I'm if I'm mistaken here. Uh I want to say like the fifth
1: curse movie is also known as evil dead five. No, you're thinking of the church. The, I think something. you're thinking of the ghost house movies or yes. the de- the demons movies and the ghost house movies kind of went on. Yeah. A,
0: a couple of years ago for my birthday, I watched all of the ghost house movies, none of which have anything to do with each other other than the title. And my brain was like melted by movie number six.
1: Yeah. Erica did all the demons movies. And she found one that Erica Lam- from Unsung Hars. And she found one, uh, Lamberto Bava did. That's a remake of Black Sunday, but with skiers. Which if sounds, that makes,
0: <laughs> which sounds incredible.
1: <laughs> but, uh, uh, that was not her report back. <laughs> okay, we gotta
2: we gotta move move along.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, but yeah, I'm, thumbs up I'm though. Fading. I liked it. I I did I did not think I was going to like The Curse. Like when I knew I was eventually going to see it, but. Yeah. I I was just so
0: happy it wasn't Dagon.
1: Yes, me too. It has come from the heavens, but what it has brought is hell. Will Wheaton of Stand By Me
2: must stand alone against The Curse, a film by David Keith from a story by H.P. Lovecraft that was one problem i was having was that like every movie i was like okay i'm gonna sleep during the next one I'll, I'll get my winks in and then the next one would start and i'm like i can't fucking sleep i i gotta i gotta fucking rally here and and that was absolutely the case for number 12 which uh the the clue they gave us was uh you love to read this clue it's, on the on head sheet so thrilling you just it, it's the one like when i get the hint sheet I kind of like just my eyes just scroll down as fast as I can to find this clue and the clue was crazy Hong Kong martial arts horror fantasy fun you love to hear it you'll love to hear it if you if you've been following our show at all or or, or if you've just been living <laughs> alive in the world of cult cinema <laughs> yeah you you know that every single fucking time, no matter which one you put on, what time of day it is, it's gonna be eight in the morning, fucking ten yeah. o'clock at night, or in the case of this, five AM, you're getting you're getting your money's worth. This is this is the price of the admission to this event. And the film they showed was Lam Guy Kai's incredible nineteen eighty eight masterpiece, The Peacock King.
0: Starring uh the Hell Virgin.
1: Yes. <laughs> At and you and Bao, you and Bao, <laughs> our fucking boy with the mole, love him. This cut uh, edits not not any of the good stuff, but just like it was like edited for time because there's two characters that are introduced, like they're like reporters, and they come in. And they go on with it, and they get killed, but they don't. They aren't introduced in this one. I'm watching. They just show up with the group to die and to die five minutes later. That's and I'm amazing. like, oh well, fuck yeah, just who cares? We don't need to know these guys. Yeah, this one is just is is
2: pure insanity. It's one of we
0: yeah we recently highly recommended.
2: Yeah, a, a few months ago we had our own little mini marathon with some friends where we watched uh, a small handful of of Lamb Guy Kai films.
0: And he has so many amazing ones like uh erotic ghost story which just came out on blue from 88 films which I did a commentary for what an honor is, and privilege well oh totally but is what made me realize just how many bonkers movies he has that are in slightly different subcategories we planned an entire the cat movie marathon i mentioned earlier we planned the whole fucking marathon just to watch this movie of his called The Cat which would go really well with Peacock Ooh. King and yeah.
2: just like He's, damn he has an eye for insanity and and just like the way he films things where it's like you fucking never know when a giant puppet hand is going to fly yes. out of the ground and just smash a character into dust like
0: and there are incredible practical effects in this movie oh, yeah. like you have not lived until you've watched Yuan Bao ride a dinosaur in a department <laughs> store at five in the morning after oh, being awake for uh, almost
2: 24 hours. And then the claymation.
1: Yeah, the little creature, the little ghoulie-like creatures,
2: yeah. like the little monsters yeah. from uh, from the gate or something yeah. just walking around.
0: It's, it's perfect. They go to hell, and they fight a giant hell demon. There's a bonkers amusement park scene where the hell virgin, who is... So she's basically the devil's daughter who has all this power to end the world, but she's really an innocent and doesn't like a kid. Yeah. She's just a dumb kid who has all this power and is sort of being swayed by this female demon who wants her to awaken into her powers and fully become evil. But there's this great early scene where she's just hanging out at this amusement park by herself and gets excited and speeds up all the rides which makes people like fly off of roller coasters and and you and bao has to do
2: his incredible like acrobatic run up the ferris wheel he climbs up that fucking thing so this this particular amusement park if you've been watching a lot of hong kong films it pops up every so often i recognize this amusement park and i've seen Jackie Chan scale this fucking thing. I've seen you and Bao scale this thing.
0: we got to go there someday. We
1: watched that one movie where Simon Yam and some oh, other guy-
0: holds a kid hostage. No,
1: this is a, this is another one. Oh. Um, <laughs> there, there's like a water park ride, and him and this dude and Simon Yam fall on it and are in a fist fight as they're sliding down the water slide, and it's just like- Yes. God bless yes. Hong Kong. That's what water slides were made for. Simon Yam,
0: wet and punching. Uh, <laughs> That's why cinema was made.
1: I remember, the. I actually played this at my birthday a few years ago. And Charles, you brought in this drink that was ever clear with like weed oh, juice. This was not a drink. This was a tincture. It, Whatever it was. But, you get
2: like a little eyedropper and put a couple drops of tincture under your tongue. Anyway, Andrew, hey, not knowing what it right is, our, our, our good friend from the old uh, Late Night Psychorama yeah. podcast, Andrew, drinks
1: a whole glass of it in like a minute and starts watching Peacock King. Now, Andrew, usually <laughs> you're not supposed to drink a glass of this stuff. Yeah, we didn't know that. You didn't say anything. You just in watched us all. We You just watched us all drink it and then went, wink, wink, just wait. So, all right. So, anyway. But
0: Peacock King is the perfect movie to just be bonkers high during.
1: Andrew usually just sits in his chair, very passive, his head cocked, you know, and watches the movies. I've never seen Andrew so invested (laughs) and terrified in my entire life. Like, we were watching Andrew watch Peacock King. That was really... (laughs) That was really the slot of the night. <laughs> from the director of the notorious band horror, The Story of Ricky, and special effects from the acclaimed Taka Ichise, production wizard behind The Grudge and Dark Water, Hong Kong legend Yoon Buu, based on the hit manga series, the Peacock
2: King. All right, all right. Moving as fast Moving as we possibly can. Moving sadly onwards. After the Peacock King, we needed it to get back to the horrorthon, and the clue for movie thirteen was "Vintage Supernatural Anthology" featuring two masters of horror. Which I
0: swore was going to be something with Vincent Price and Peter Lorre. You
2: were absolutely on the right track. When you said Tales of Terror.
0: It's not really supernatural, though, in the same way that the actual movie is. Yeah. I
2: had a different initial thought. My initial thought was that the masters of horror they were referring to were directors, and it was going to be Two Evil Eyes. But that's not vintage. It's absolutely not vintage.
0: What we wound up watching was the Great Amicus Anthology Dr. Terror's House of Horrors and as we said earlier this is not something that they would usually play. I mean they they have done Tales from the Crypt, the Amicus Anthology in what year 1?
1: They did Vault of Horror. And yeah. Vault
0: of Horror I think was year 2 maybe. No,
2: no, they they were they were later years. I think like Vault four of Horror I think was year 3, year 3, and three and four. or 4.
1: And it was uncut because the only with vault of horror, great Tom Baker, yes. But the vault of horror, like on DVD, is cut when it gets to the gore scenes. It's just a still, like the, you don't get the actual. Which is like, so weird. It, dri- it drove me nuts. I felt there was something wrong with my with my DVD when I first got it.
2: Your brain glitched out. They're like, listen, kid, you're not ready to see a tap go into some
1: guy's neck or a bunch of yeah
0: vampires that was drink it out
1: of one it. where i was like wait what's that going one on? is so, so perfect
2: i i had never even heard of vault of horror before they had played it like i didn't even know that movie existed and i grew up and i had a very very small stack of tales from the crypt comics yeah like i had like a few and one of the ones that i had was that story of the the vampire bar, yeah. It was this guy who's visited he visits his sister, and she's like, "Don't go out at night. You can come visit me. Don't go out at night. I'll be right back. I gotta go." And he's like, "I'm fucking going. Out. I'm going out to a bar." And he sees like his sister's there, everyone's there, and like halfway through, he realizes that they're all drinking blood out of glasses, and, and he's the meal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once all the vampires realize that he's a person, that's just like in their bar, like n- like why is this so salty? You Isn't know? it like, because
1: like he's the only one that shows up in the mirror? Yeah. 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 How do vampires get their makeup on? John, you're asking the... They the, die
0: uh, with it on. Okay. <laughs> I just
1: That just
2: jumped in my head the second I said something about the bar mirror. Dr. Terror's House of Horrors was just... A, it was a great anthology.
0: Yeah, it's and, wonderful. And it's yeah. also Peter Cushing in one of his rare kind of villainous roles where he's got all this makeup on and, and, and one of his he, rare kind of hammy roles. Yeah. Where he's, he's really like, hamming it up.
2: He's having a good old time being this like uh Crypt Keeper character who like introduces each story
0: with by reading like they're all on this train car together and he shows up and he drops his bag on the ground and they help him pick it up and they give him back his deck of tarot cards and they start asking him questions about them and he's like well I'll read your fortune and that's all the stories but they're all great like we watched one of them earlier this year because I did a plant themed marathon and there's one of the stories is this great one about killer plants that terrorize this family yeah it was a
2: nice and simple story where a family moves in and the plants just want nothing to fucking do with them
0: and there's this great line where it's like plants like this could one day take over the world. <laughs> there's
1: also a cool vampire one with, with Donald Sutherland who I love so handsome. much.
0: Like, Donald young. Sutherland was hot. Oh
1: yeah, I mean he always was. He still is. But he had like a more like weird bohemian look, like in the seventies. This he's just like a regular, just like good looking dude. He's a hottie. And his his vampire story is pro- it might be my favorite one. It's it's great. Oh man,
2: don't hit me with them negative waves so early in the morning.
1: All right, you guys ready for
2: number fourteen? Yes. Which okay. honestly.
0: This was one of my favorite movies of the day. And this is also how we ended the marathon, which we can talk about more in a second. But I was just so happy to watch this again oh, yeah. after after oh, yeah. decades of not seeing it.
2: I don't know if it was two years ago or three years ago. The Mahoning drive-in did their their weekend of terror which is one of the no few... no
0: it was camp blood oh it's camp
2: blood and oh, they had right. jill scholl there for it and and camp blood is one of the the pilgrimages that we make to uh, up to the mahoning valley and, and it's also
0: this... programmed by harry from Exum. yeah and and dan
2: fraga comes out in
0: the camp counselor gear and their short shorts and... with a
2: megaphone just getting everyone to do a tug of war before the movie start, it's it's a whole lot of fun. Camp Blood. There's an eyeball
0: toss. An eyeball toss. I got egg all over Charles this year. I'm very sorry. No,
2: no, I, it was a bad catch. It was my fault. <laughs> and that's uh, the spirit. And and a couple of years ago when we went, uh, one of the movies that they were playing was The Stepfather, and we. Oh yeah, read the clue. Oh, I'm sorry. The clue for this. Well, the answer is the fucking stepfather. Um, the clue was. Uh, intelligent psychological thriller slasher with a fantastic lead performance, and God damn, that is a spot on accurate descriptor of this movie. Uh, but anyway,
1: real quick, when the Mahoning well, we already was- fucked up the story. Now I have to murder everybody and start a brand new podcast that's going to get it perfect this time. <laughs> <laughs> John, you are the stepfather. <laughs>
0: Who even am I? <laughs>
1: Where am I? Who who am I here? That's right. That's Oh, my God. And he just beats her with the... F- All right, sorry. sorry. Anyway, I love Back this it
0: up. We're tired. The, Maho- the Mahoney <laughs> drive-in
2: played the stepfather for us, but... It was a shit show. Real one fires up, and you can tell right when the, like... Uh, it is not right. It's like, this seems <laughs> different. And it was the stepfather remake, but because they're playing a 35-millimeter print of it, which obviously uh someone didn't double check their fucking math on. Uh or maybe I think I think what happened was it came like that day. Like it they got shipped no, to that what
0: day. what happened? We're at the end of the episode here, so I feel okay doing a little shit talking. Don't you
2: shit talk to Mahoney
0: Drive in theater. Oh my God. They
1: It's just a mistake they made and we're just gonna tell the story. That's all, it's, right? Yes. Yes.
0: They are not oh when Harry is not the one bringing the prints and they're ordering prints. They're they don't have a great track record at actually getting 35 millimeter prints as promised and this was a case where it was their responsibility to order the stepfather print and i guess it's
2: driving you're making sam mad again you won't like sam when she's mad (laughs) or probably when
0: i'm not mad but (laughs) but they got the print and it was like, the remake. Yes, it was the and, studio's fault. They sent the wrong print, but no one at the drive-in thought to check the fucking print. And
2: because and because they're they're firing up real one, you can't when when you're playing a print of the movies, you can't just hit stop and rewind. You got to let that real play out. So we're all just like sitting here, like you fucking believe this? We're watching the fucking remake here. I wanted to see Terry Quinn's dick.
0: Is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Anyway, we finally got to watch The Stepfather 35mm. Yeah. It was perfect. I'm so glad that the wrong print showed up for Camp Blood so that we could watch the stepfather. Yeah, truly yeah. a
2: serendipitous turn of events. You
1: and I watched it like a dozen years ago and yeah. we we, yeah. Thought it was, it, we thought it was we thought it was going to be dumb. I I just it was like there's another 80 slasher we hadn't seen, which it didn't even really turn out to be that slashery for which is good because it's a uh, a lot different you and i were so surprised how much we liked it and we were having a ball watching it yeah when you
2: put on a movie and you're expecting you know a trashy whatever flick and what you get is a serious movie with a compelling lead performance that just like gets under your skin like that the way he operates that like fake thing where like He's playing a character, playing a character, and, and he
0: starts to forget, and the lines he, he, start he to blur. He loses
2: himself, like in this role of this stepfather, this all-loving dad who just has like,
0: the perfect family and will accept no substitutes.
2: And the moment that he's disappointed in his family is when things start to shift, and like, and it's just he is someone who I don't know if you ever watched the the movie Pin. Or which the very, very popular uh, TV series Lost. He is the best part of that show, which is a show. And, <laughs> uh, and, and and he's just, he's this amazing fucking actor who like, you just can't take your eyes off on whenever he's on the screen. And, and the stepfather is, is one of a kind. Hi, honey.
1: Where have you been? Showing the Morton house to some folks from California. Don't lie to me, Jerry. What? I called your office today. I didn't get a message. Of course you didn't get a message. They said you stopped working there several days ago. What? The receptionist said that you left. That idiot! That new girl can't be... Susan, I never got anyone fired in my life, but that girl, I don't know. You mean you still work there? Of course. Where else would I be? I don't know. I just... I don't know what I thought. I'm sorry. This is very upsetting. Old man Grace is still there. No, forget it,
0: honey. Forget it. She probably just got the name wrong or something.
1: Hodgkins, what's to get wrong? What did you say? Huh?
2: Wait a minute. Who am I here? Jerry. Jerry? Jerry Blake. Thank you, honey. You're all right, sweetheart? The, the next movie after The Stepfather, the clue they gave us was enjoyable, big-budget horror comedy directed by a genre icon. And I I thought it was going to be Scream, and then like halfway through the night, someone's like, maybe it's going to be Frighteners. And I was like, oh...
0: I think my friend Bill uh, from another great podcast called Supporting Characters popped up throughout the day out of nowhere, as he often does, and said, oh, obviously it's going to be Frighteners. And I was like, damn, I didn't even think
2: of that. And, and they've closed with some Peter Jackson madness in the past. With meet the Feebles. The oh, yes. Meet the Feebles one year. And honestly, it's nice. Like, Don't get me wrong. I fucking love the Stepfather. And I also, I, what I love the most about this year, which might have been one of my favorite years of all time, is that it it was kind of mean-spirited
1: yeah
0: and it was mean-spirited and like serious movies that are supposed to scare you yeah
2: and 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 the frighteners it's also nice that they closed with a movie that was like you're you're going home happy you're having a little fun old time with michael j fox and jake Busey and peter jackson
0: i just didn't want to end the day with cgi Yeah, So we stayed for the the opening credits and then (laughs) got in the car and spent the hour ride home talking about the stepfather. Yeah, but
2: there's (laughs) something about some of that like early 90s CGI where it
1: like it just kind of looks like so bad that like now I'm like, okay, I don't mind. No, uh, I think one of the things I like about it, even though it's bad, it's that like it's. If there's just one CGI thing in the movie, as opposed to nowadays where the whole screen's just, yeah, just CGI. Like, I'm like, watching a screensaver or for something. For sure.
2: Like, yeah, this had a couple, like, set pieces with a CGI thing going on. Right. but
1: I mean, it looks awful, but for some reason, the fact that there's still, like, humans on screen, like I yeah. can swallow it a little so, bit more.
2: So, I, I, I do want to revisit this movie again soon. I, I liked it when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. And I did too, yeah. In, in recent, I saw it in theaters. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I I this was one that I rented. I know that like the the VHS box for the Frighteners was one of those three D ones. Yes, and, I know, forgot all about that. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: those are great. Yeah, aren't those so
1: cool? I miss those.
0: <laughs> we are really fading out hard yeah. right now.
2: All right, so this episode has been our ode to Exhumed Films and just our love and appreciation for the people that do these curations and and really just go above and beyond and they they're sort of like the
0: backbone of this community in is. a lot of ways like so many
2: of the podcasts that we were referencing the friends that we mentioned here were they're all people that we've met through this and it just we owe so much to them and like oh, and totally. and right now they they've been doing fundraising for this incredible looking space i with, can't wait yeah with the uh, a wonderful name the space the space it's <laughs> yeah
0: it's gonna be in new jersey and the way it will work is it's a venue that will be able to house all of harry's 35 millimeter prints it will also have two different screening rooms it will have Sort of, I think, like a lobby area where you'll be able to buy some of the diabolic DVD stock, but they'll also have pinball machines and arcade games. Yeah. It sounds like paradise. I told Harry I was gonna buy a sleeping bag and just like live under one of the pinball machines. I,
1: I would be the fan of the opera of that place. I
0: know, I, I, We're all gonna force him to hire us to work there. <laughs> I, I was just
2: about to say, like, I keep making fucking jokes about how I'm the laziest guy in America, but like, listen, yeah, if, if any of you there. Zoom guys listen to this show and you need a tour go. <laughs> or or uh, some kind of like you know
0: pinball duster
2: yeah oh my god you kidding me I'll wipe Wax all the fucking those things up nasty stains that these fucking
1: oh when I when I used to work in arcade in the, in Ocean City when I was a kid there was this one guy who would come in at like one in the morning and drool when he played pinball and he had to go over and and he would play like four different pinball John, machines
2: you are literally the perfect the drooling pinball the, the guy right now the jizz mopper of <sighs> the
1: arcade. <laughs> uh sure. that's a tale for another time it yeah sure you is. know what
2: I, I and also i i i not just want to shout out Exhume films who we've been shouting out this this episode this whole time we love you guys but uh cinepunks yeah we met yeah, liam cinepunks for the first time i know
0: also i think in a lot of ways grew up out of People going to all these screenings and loving film, and also, you know, going to shows and loving music and wanting to just start a community that supports each other. And it isn't just each man for himself, it's kind of all these great podcasts and people writing essays and doing events. And I think a lot of us were inspired by the fact that these four random dudes just got together and figured out how to rent out theaters and how to rent and buy prints and yeah. you know they're not people who worked for movie theaters and did this professionally like of course they've made money from it but
2: this is, th- th- yeah this is these are labors of love and it's, totally. it's also like what we're fucking doing here you know like, we ain't making any goddamn fucking money off this. Well, hopefully, I would love if, if you're listening, you got five bucks to throw Sam's Patreon or something. <laughs> she's, the, she's the one that's doing all the real work. Me and John are just picking fucking Cheerios out of our belly buttons, and she's fucking...
0: Don't talk about your belly buttons. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. Sam's
2: just doing doing God's work with the commentaries, and your writing. you're fucking writing a goddamn book right now. No spoilers to the people, but... Yeah, if, if you can, throw, throw, throw Young
1: Deegan a bone. Before we totally get off the subject, though, is there going to be an X Fest this year or next year? I should say. It's usually There's supposed to be, but mm. to
0: be disclosed. I can't wait.
2: I can't wait. Ah, uh, it was this really was rejuvenating. And I feel like,
0: oh, also, if you're listening to this and you're in the tri state area or you don't mind traveling, one of my favorite other much smaller yearly events, Exhumed Films, has been doing. An annual Christmas party for probably 15 years now, maybe at least like 10. It's this awesome, really informal thing where they bring probably like anywhere from four to six movies, usually some great shorts on 16 millimeter. All of them are a surprise, but they also do this secret Santa raffle where everybody brings. Insanely wrapped presents because we're all, you know, psychos who don't know how to wrap things. <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> some guy one year brought a present in a McDonald's bag, like it just. But they have the Secret <gasps> Santa. Yeah. They have uh they have sort of a potluck dinner that is happening at another space. We should mention in this conversation, which is PhilaMoca, the Philadelphia mausoleum of art, which is in the city it's run by my friend eric bresler and it's another example of what we're talking about just people coming together supporting each other putting on totally crazy events and i'm sure we'll have more to say in the future about the psychotronic film club which is run out of filamoca it oh, and that's having their glorious and that's return very finally soon. coming back and we are very excited about all of these things
2: Oh, yeah. And, and one more little shout out I want to throw into the mix is uh, our our good friend Mike Giallo, uh, who is doing this. He does all we need is sleaze. He does these like uh, streaming curations. He's got his own uh, uh, Discord. He's and got a zine. He's got a zine. I yeah. just subscribed to the fucking zine. It, it's cool. Sam wrote a little thing for it. Set. But like, it's just, it's a really pretty little zine. That if you can get get your hands on it, everybody it's really cool. Everybody loves physical
0: media. Yeah,
2: you love to have something in your hands. And he's he's got a new yeah, one coming yeah. out. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, John. <laughs> 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 he's got a new one coming out every month. All right.
1: <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.
2: Thanks for we listening to the you. show. We we'll got, see you next time. we yeah, got a we, special
1: we, episode next time.
2: Our, our, we're getting back to reality for our next one. a <laughs> we're, harsh we're, reality. Yeah, we're Very harsh. To, we're getting back to our basics. Graphic and, depiction of reality. Yeah, get ready for rough one All right. now we're going to sleep good night everybody god bless